This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! Hey, let's talk about you, the ID10T community events at ID10T.com, like Russ Stevens, a.k.a. Cool Movies Darth, who uh, has started a podcast called 90 for Chill, uh, which Russ says is dedicated to movies with a runtime between 74 and 99 minutes, the time frame that I feel is ideal. Russ, I could not agree with you more. That is a fantastic idea. Uh, Russ goes on to say there are times you need a cinematic fix but don't have time for the latest Scorsese masterpiece or offering from a comic book universe. There's also times when you know you need a conclusion to prevent a binge costing you a whole night. Um, my guests and I try to follow these guidelines as we chat up features that are definitely worth your time and are beyond easy to make time for. 90 for Chill, the podcast, can be found on all major podcast platforms at 94chill.com, and that's spelling out 90, uh, N-I-N-E-T-Y, 4-F-O-R, chill. Um, so there you go. Thank you so much for sharing, Russ. A uh, really great idea for a podcast. Events at ID10T.com for everyone else. Thank you for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast with Cat Bus Russ. This is your host, Cat Bus Russ, and you can follow me on Letterboxd, find out what might be coming up on the show. My username there is CM Darth. That's C is in cool, M is in movies, Darth as in a Sith Lord. And you can follow me on Twitter and Mastodon at Cat Bus Russ. So this week. Well, you know, it's Labor Day weekend, so I wasn't going to be trying to drag anybody away from the barbecues, what have you, to do an episode. And I know I've been watching stuff, but I know it doesn't really feel right for me to say, and here's another episode of Just Me on My Own. So I'm pulling out the archives. I think this will officially uh, be the um, basically making sure that I have everything on. The 90 for Chill, the podcast with Cat Bus Rust feed versus the 90forchill.com, the podcast feed. So just just to say, if it's pod being produced, that's not the feed I want you on, okay? Go to the one with the crazy kitty, not the one at the red bar over the logo. So there we are. And I'll just get to it then. Uh, I've said i didn't want to just be on my own for this episode so i just pulled up some classic conversations i had with the poetic critic just about a year old well two years old now so uh not very current or incredibly current because we're going to be discussing her favorite topic scorsese and the need to end all uh big money cinema i suppose that's an oversimplification but that's uh, one podcast where we'll also talk about some riff tracks, like the excellence of Courtesy, talk about Bluey, some Criterion uh, suggestions. And then the second podcast we recorded was supposed to be out Wes Anderson's uh, movies like Bottle Rocket and Rushmore classics. Uh, I think he's very good at concise movies. Grand Budapest Hotel is another one. But... Basically, it turns into a conversation about how, oh no, what if Wes Anderson does Marvel at some point? And we kind of look into that. We also talk a little bit about the entire film Twitter thing and how it's anti-Scorsese and auteurs. You know, it's all, hey, what can Disney do for you? So, and I will uh, actually, uh, that's how I'll open the second half of the podcast. 
as I say, is in this combined podcast with me having a solution on how to fix Hollywood. But we'll get there when we get there. Uh, I'm looking to get guests on the show. I don't really know what my schedule looks like for the next couple of weeks. I do know that Sundays, you can always count on me being available to record. So if you get that set up, I will do my own laundry instead of driving back to Morton to get mom to do it. So if you want to be on the show, send an email to rustthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. Offer me a movie, a director, a theme, an actor. Try to focus on movies under 100 minutes, but I will be able to make anything work. And when I say under 100 minutes, that means that the credits roll before 139.59. It counts. So... With all that said, uh, rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast apps, five-star reviews, preferably be as honest as you want in the uh, text. An Apple guy myself, Spotify's really been great, though, with 90 for Chill Podcasts with Cat Bus Russ. So, hey, I like everybody. What can I say? With that said, if you want to listen to this podcast on your Amazon Echo or Google Nest device, you should be able just to say, play 90 for Chill the Podcast and get to this show. With all that said, I just have to thank Stacia Harden. It's going to be a might be a tough week for me. Uh, the 19th anniversary of her death is going to be on Thursday. Trying to figure out if I sh- what to do for that. Um, but she's kept a great eye on me over the past 19 years, and you know, truthfully, nearly 20 years of knowing her. I hope that uh, she's amused by Skimble Shanks, the one-eared angel, at her side. I think that should do it. We're coming up on six minutes. I got to get the AC back on in this place. Thanks for coming to the 90 for Chill, the podcast. Little hands says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. All right. So after Rory went and ran through all the Super Bowl halftime shows since 1993, I think we're at a good spot to just BS about movies and movie-related stuff. This course is CM Darth. Cool Movies Darth on Letterbox. Well, I'm sorry. Cool Movies Darth, CM Darth on Letterbox. You know, I get a... F- CM is probably going to be obsolete in about a week when that uh, Phil Brooks comes back to wrestling. So, uh, appreciate it while I can. Sorry for the long-winded nature of that introduction of myself, but I am with the Poetic Critic. That's the Poetic Critic on Letterbox, And... You know what? It's really just more of a test of my new studio setup, and looks like I've spent too much money on it. Just saying, uh, you can pick Rory up pretty well on both mics. But hey, as I say, it's a test. And uh, what I brought up to her today uh, was more or less just something out of research. Um, I have a, just trying to get guests. When you start talking to them, you start trying to find movies that they can. Uh, get behind it's like oh well Coraline's one of my favorite movies all right it's a little long but you know we picked some of those other movies from what's the name of that studio again Laika I pick think up. that's the pronunciation okay you know it's for the the dog that went into space oh, oh okay yeah I think it is used to be the uh Will Vinton's company okay but Paranorman um Kubo and Two, two, two Strings, strings. So, yeah, so Coraline keeps being brought up. And honestly, I've probably seen Coraline hanging out with uh, my best friend Stephanie when she was raising her kid, Nietz, 2009. So she would have been three or so. So it was on all the time. I just never 
paid attention to it, which is sad because Keith David deserves all your attention. I'm telling you to go to Peacock and watch the Monday Night Wars documentary series on WWE just so you can hear his smooth tones. Whitewash. I, I, I guess you can't really say whitewash, but it's Vince McMahon's idea of the past, so I guess that is pretty much whitewashing. Um, but she did inform me that uh, Shout Factory's got quite the lineup coming up soon. Because I can't find Coraline anywhere. Not even used. Like, I figured every parent bought their kid Coraline. And, I mean, I own a lot of movies, but there are some good movies where it's like, yeah, I don't think I'll get around to watching this again. It's like Road Trip. Like, I know everybody bought the DVD for Road Trip back in the day. Why can't I find it? It's not that much of a classic. It's a Todd Phillips movie. Obviously, it's not that much of a classic. But I digress. Um, but you've been entertaining yourself with the Criterion Collection, correct? Uh, Criterion Channel, to oh, be yes. specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is lots of overlap between the streamer and the physical titles. Right. But lately I have been focused more on the stuff that's unique to the channel at the moment. Well, I did buy a couple of discs. Uh, last time I was at Barnes & Noble, they did have a half-off sale. I thought they usually say for... Black Friday, I but... They, no, they did the half-off sale a few times a year. Okay. So I ended up picking up uh, Broadcast News and uh, Cold Water. Uh, screen Drafts really sold me on the uh, Olivier Asias filmography. Mm-hmm. And I've only really seen Demon Lover. Again, another movie all my cool friends own. And... In the case of my friend Stephanie, there were probably two copies between her and her um, yet's father. And I can't find one anywhere for Demon Lover. You know? I think they're saying that maybe Criterion will do that one, but I don't know. Well, I think they just did Irma Vap. Okay, so they're getting there. It's like um, Jim Jeremish. Does he deserve, all his movies deserve to be in the Criterion Collection? Probably not. Will they end up there? Most definitely. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of uh, Ghost Dog, and it's like, well, this definitely isn't down by law by any stretch of the imagination. And what's the one, Night Around the World, or... <coughs> Night on Earth. Night on Earth. <coughs> which, it, it, it just runs long. Which, again, it's Jim Jeremish. Well, it's an anthology film. Right, and I mean, I love seeing uh, Roberto Benigni kill a cardinal just by talking too much as a cab driver. Um, I mean, they're all they're all great sketches on it. I mean, stories. Right. So. Have you seen Mystery Train yet? No, I have not. Well, that's along those lines. Okay. Yeah, it has a bunch of the Jarmusch regulars in it. Yeah, I mean. That's that's really all you should be trying to do as an actor, is to somehow end up being a Jim Jeremesh regular. I mean, I don't know if Bill Murray's really done any good Jim Jeremesh movies. I haven't heard that many positive people about Broken Flowers, I guess, outside the critical circles. And we know that uh, The Dead Don't Die was kind of considered bloated. Um... Coffee and cigarettes, though, always gets pretty high praise. And, um, 
So what what is so what's been really big on Criterion Channel then? Well, the uh, last month they introduced the Art House Animation Collection. I'm about a little over halfway through that lineup, although I had seen some of these films before they were grouped together like this. Mm-hmm. But also they've been adding a lot of more kid-appropriate animation to the Saturday Matinee's curated series, too. And a lot of these films are in the 90 for Chill parameters, not a little shorter. So they were doing, they're not really on a tear doing those films. They basically have access to the GK Kids, the G Kids library that isn't Studio Ghibli. Right, all that's on HBO Max. They've been adding a lot of those titles. I think speaking of Ghibli, though, I did finally complete the collection, I guess I could say. Well, the Ghibli collection of Miyazaki with right. the, the Wind Rises, which I have seen. And now the problem is I have to watch The Wind Rises again. It's a good movie, but depressing? <laughs> oh, yes. Just like, it was that his farewell to Takahata? Like, well, he's not around to make all this <laughs> to really drive the cartoons into slitting your wrists. I better take a shot at it. But otherwise, the past few weeks have kind of been slowing down in my pace. So I've had a really good pace going this year, and I've seen some shorter movies that might qualify, such as the original Scarface from 1932, which Mm. is very well worth a look. Um, How's his Cuban accent? It's not Cuban. This, it's sorry. I just need to wear, use the rim shot button on this P four <laughs> zoom at some point. Okay. The original Chicago. It's yes. I know. Italian it's it's, it's 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 supposed to be Alphonse Capone or at yeah. least an allegory, effigy, what have you. Right. Yeah. But that's worth well worth a look, and it is interesting to see how the basics of the plot are pretty much duplicated in the De Palma version. Hmm. But in somewhat in different ways, because it's a much shorter film, it fits the 90 for chill parameters. Well, again, I kind of, uh, with the effect, exception of Danny Kay trying to be inspirational, most of the films back then, unless, okay, then, ah, oh, shoot, I gotta bring in DeMille. Yeah, you know, I guess when you have newsreels and shorts and everything like that, you really didn't want to press two hours too much. No, not not very often. Mm-hmm. So that's what we need, Hollywood. Newsreels and cartoons again. I don't think that's going to go. <laughs> well, we need something to bring people back into the theaters. Uh, as I say, $28 million for Suicide Squad. I'm just not, not building that confidence. Um, I think... Class Action Park on HBO Max fits in 90 for Chill. Oh, no, there's pl- a lot of documentaries, actually. I was yeah. at uh, All-American Wrestling, or I guess it's not, AAW doesn't mean anything anymore. Like, WWE doesn't actually mean World Wrestling Entertainment. <sighs> Danny Daniels, my trainer, always trying to be cutting edge, which is why it's the best show in Chicago. But I ran into Colt Cabana and uh, bought some merch, and it was uh, Wrestling Road Diaries 3, so I have the complete trilogy. And that one, Funny Equals Money, where he's traveling around with a bunch of comedic wrestlers. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that one fits under 90, the fits into my parameters. And I think it took uh, Colt a while to learn how to do that, because the first Wrestling Road, Road Diaries is nearly three hours long, and then he gets to about two in the second one. So, I mean, he's the most versatile wrestler, king of wrestling podcasts, so I definitely got to give that a look and maybe try to weasel him onto the, this pod. I mean, he doesn't really have any love for CM Punk. I mean, put over another CM, man. Um... um. It's weird that HBO, though, seems to be getting into this groove of documentaries about how the youthful nostalgia often comes at the price of human sacrifices between this, Leaving Neverland, and Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage. Oh, we're not, we're not going to bring in uh, Alan V. Farrow? I guess you could bring that in, too, but I'm thinking more of the... Happy, fun, youthful 80s sort of okay. attitude. Okay, all right, yeah. Because that's a big thing in Class Action Park is that for it does make a big point about for a lot of teenagers, Action Park was the most awesome place in the world. And so hearing some of these stories in hindsight it can be hilarious, such as the story about the bumper tanks ride that where you shot tennis balls at the other person's tank. And that is now a World Wrestling Entertainment prop on SmackDown. Um, Do they light the... But did they... Anybody manage to light the balls on fire is the question. No, 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 no. Fire and, and bloodshed, that's AEW's thing. Um, but at the same time, it points out that a lot of people died at Action Point for reasons that pretty much boiled down to... An absolute unwillingness to care about what happened to people there in the name of having fun and in the name of being cheap and making money. Because it's clear, the, these, the guys who ran the place had, had high connections that allowed them to run the park as long as they did, even as it was straining the town's emergency services. They, they bought a fleet of ambulances if for the town because insurance. that's how bad it... Well, not well. Not given to how they got around the insurance thing. Oh uh, well, this was it was rotten, corrupt. It kind of makes after watching suicides, this Suicide Squad. It's kind of like, and James Gunn didn't get didn't direct the <laughs> the uh, adaptation. Um, what was that action? Action the, Point, which at, is the yeah. one John Knoxville did. Right. I guess that would be more Spike Jones frame. Either way, they would get the graphicness down. So, so was the Suicide, the Suicide Squad the third? Oh, well, I guess it'd probably be like the fourth DC movie you've probably seen. Because mm -hmm. no, you've seen Shazam, right? No, I haven't got to Shazam. Yet. Okay. The uh. only one ones I've seen besides the Suicide Squad without a riff tracks. Uh are Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Okay. So I've kind of come in late on this. I feel like I haven't missed much by no, not no. really paying attention to the earlier installments. I, I, just, no, I, I think the Snyderverse by that point has been pretty much uh, flushed away. So I think you're fine. I did not appreciate But again, justice for Boomer, man. I mean, uh, Second Chance Movies, a uh, podcast I listen to uh, with uh, former guest of the podcast, Jessica Quaz, uh, did not warrant uh, 
Suicide Squad a second chance. I think some of the characters are so worthwhile that you gotta at least get some exposure to them. So I'd say give Suicide Squad a second chance. Um, and then they go, but, as I told Rory, they decide to just go and basically say, screw the first movie, despite the continuity is there, and just wipe out anything that you may have loved about it. Not gonna give up any more spoilers, I'm just gonna say justice for Boomer. No unicorn, no, no energy drinks, just... <laughs> so, let me go through my notes of enchanting, trying to prep this up. So, but it's been fun. Rory's definitely uh, pays more attention to film Twitter than I do. I just, you know, with my Twitter, I do my best not to be one of those people to follow 300 things. I just want to, you know, those who follow me, I want to, if I think they're cool, follow them. And just a little community feel like that versus the, and, uh, Basically, all the trolls I find whenever I'm looking at AOC or um, Representative Omar's Twitter uh, Twitter tweets, that's what they're called, that come up in my timeline. So, it is fun to know that the trolls now recognize me. But, I will say that is something that I needed Wreck-It Ralph. Um, sorry, Ralph breaks the internet to remind me of. Never look at the comments section. But uh, with Rory, um, film Twitter is pretty much nothing but a comment section, correct? More or less. I mean, there are some very friendly people there, and it's fun where we go into sunshiny recommendations or bring up old, old ephemera and photos or promotional material. Like, people like Nitrate Diva or Movies Silently have very charming Twitter feeds on older movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, you did recently discover the uh, somebody posted an article of Martin Scorsese um, recognizing one of the two saint, pa uh, patron saints of 90 for Chill and David Cronenberg. It was an article, an appreciation he wrote for Fangoria not long after Videodrome came out. Mm -hmm. Where would you rank Videodrome up there? I, I mean, I know you're probably Fly number one. Uh, yes, the, the Fly is my favorite. I do think Videodrome is a top ten title at mm -hmm. least. But I'm not sure about ranking all the others. Yeah, I still gotta get around to Dead Ringers and... I don't know, as I say, The Brood is just way too scary what I've seen. Which is a good thing, but... Man, I don't need, uh... The Brood is pretty punishing. Yeah, I... Like, give me machine gun Santa Claus in a mall. <laughs> not, not, uh... Hate children. <laughs> and... But... I don't know, you, you make it sound like the Scorsese um, Marvel Universe thing is a bigger... It keeps getting brought up again. The most recent flare-up was when James Gunn made some disparaging comments okay. during the this run-up of promotion for the Suicide Squad. And it's 
just that all these people are basically just standing up for their corporate masters. Well, look, uh, well, with James Gunn, half the stuff you have, I think you have to take with a grain of salt. I mean, I didn't think he should have got canceled for an AIDS joke. Um, I mean, for me, as long as it's not genuinely hateful, if the structure is there with the joke, I can appreciate it and I'll let it slide. But, um, I mean, you say they're bowing down to their corporate masters. It's like, it's it's probably good to remind people that uh, James Gunn, I mean, can get... Uh, pretty twisted so but it's that so many of the people who are speaking up on behalf of the mcu and it is mostly specific to the mcu are basically just being giant shells for disney and the way disney does things right now and we we didn't really have that kind of loyalty before to a corporation as opposed to the creatives. These people aren't standing up so much for the individual directors of these films or much less the writers or other creatives as the Disney content paste machine. I don't know who came up with that fit, that phrase, but my friend Jessica Ritchie likes to use it, and I think that's very accurate. <laughs> well, I just find it very weird. Um having a uh, I would say conservative mother who's not approving of Disney at least saying um, things politically which you know I haven't brought up what about the Koch brothers and Dixie Cups um, that they can go that they're I just, find, I, I just can't help but see the irony that we have a company that's doing their best to be open to the world but that's part of it they're only, my friends like Jessica and many others have pointed this out many times, Disney will only go so far because they want to be open to the world. That means they're also kowtowing to more conservative governments, not only in this country, but to appeal to markets like China in particular. They have very, the representation is only, they're only throwing out crumbs. It's become a running gag that they finally have their first gay character in X movie. It has become a painful running gag over the last few years. Yeah, I guess I'm just trying to point out the fact, though, that you still have... Okay, so Chinese, China, I don't know if you'd call them a conservative country. I mean, they're communists. That's the ultimate left. Um, no, the ultimate left is anarchy. Um... But they still do way too much liberal stuff for the take for the likes of American conservatives who watch Fox News, OAN, and Newsmax. But that's a very low bar to clear, and I would like to state that the views and opinions <laughs> that my brother expresses on this podcast are not ones I necessarily share, if I share them at all. Oh no, but no, you're. I, I, I did, never said they were yours. I'm just just saying that... Um, well, I've already pointed out to the person. and uh, She was never at my professional wrestling matches, so... Um, I but don't. Disney is only doing the barest minimum of trying to get representation in. They're not willing to go full bore on it. 
Well, and if they... that's 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 the responsibility of uh, Scorsese, I guess. And I don't then, know. And so... this is what goes into one of the fundamental misunderstandings of the whole Scorsese discourse, is that Scorsese doesn't mind the existence of the MCU films. They don't really appeal to him. That's okay. Mm. It's the issue that it is getting harder and harder for other films to get any leeway in theatrical releases or even streaming now because Disney and other companies, but especially Disney, are rigging the game so it's mostly their productions that are getting exposure. This is what he was really worried about. It's that Older films and foreign films. I mean, he has the World Cinema Project he works on with Criterion Collection. Well, never mind. Never mind. Preservation the, efforts are the, getting lost in the shuffle. Okay, and as you and you're just stating that you know that includes all of our independent films, just stateside, really. Yeah. Like I, that's the biggest fear of the MCU is that it's just going yes. to. That's I mean, going to be the standard for movies, and anything else is just nobody's going to take seriously. Right. Okay. Or even have an opportunity to know about. It's less well, and less encouraging mm. of curiosity, and it's in favor of the company. One of the problems we had with Disney is that whereas before, especially in the 1980s and early 90s, they were willing to allow their corporate umbrella to encompass stuff like R-rated movies with the Touchstone subsidiary label, or they were one of the first studios to start swallowing up the big indie distributors like Miramax mm -hmm. because they wanted the prestige that you got from that. Now they don't really care about that anymore, and just about milking stuff from stuff from these. PG-13 movies, most of them anyway. The exceptions no, are their animated features. Right. And it's very limiting in terms of what's going to be produced. So, Disney has, in a sense, just recreated the Hayes era? Uh, not necessarily. It is kind of a warped version of the Hayes Code era. I've heard it comparisons made of what the current studio system is becoming and it's not just disney no, you see not. this with warner brothers universal and paramount as well but also the old studio system where everybody's kind of stuck at one studio under a contract because they have to keep coming back to do franchise installment x.2 or a.3 or what have you and a lot of these creatives, even the ones who are being, are recognized, they're not using their clout to do other projects very often, and the ones they do often are underseen or not even regarded as very good to start with. I mean, no one went to see the Russo brothers as charity, which uh, they did over, you know, at Apple. Oh, yeah, no, you're, you're right. But, well, and the reviews were very poor. Yeah, well, I mean, I haven't even really given Apple a chance, and I do need to catch up with Ted Lasso before my uh, Verizon promo period runs up. But yeah, I mean, there was a time. I, when, well, but I, I guess what I'm saying there is Apple's still trying to establish themselves as a studio. But that's half. The, but another element of the problem is there are so many more walls going up around having to get all these different streaming services to see much of anything. 
and it between that and the issues with theatrical distribution, we are risking coming into the a return to the era when the studios owned movie theater chains. Yeah, no. Before that was struck down in the courts in 1948, I think that was the year. Okay, so we need to staff the Supreme Court so we can avoid this situation again. I'm just saying 6-3. So, so otherwise, you know, it's almost to the point, though, where it's like, it's good to have San Fernando Valley and the films they're producing, just so we know there's some unwholesome things out there. And, of course, we are in a system that's currently in flux. Because we're still in the middle of a pandemic, we are still dealing with movies not really being able to get much of a toehold, especially, and a lot of these movies were very expensive and they seem to be coming out on top of each other even more than they were back when things were more fruitful, I suppose you could say. And, I mean, we just had Jungle Cruise movie that we've all already forgotten about. And that had as big a platform as you could launch on with Disney+. And, you know, in a few weeks, we have Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which I don't know anybody who's excited about that one. Well, I, I mean to go and see it, but that's basically because we need... The MCU needs this movie. How do they need this movie, Well, though? okay, I guess you're, you can go and say that's coming back to... The false sense of liber liberalism. Um, I'm just saying, we need a movie. Well, one, we've ran with Infinity War, the Infinity Wars, and my knowledge of Civil War. In the comic book wise, it's like everybody else is kind of secondary characters now from the MCU. So, first off, we gotta make sure they have a new base. And uh, second off, it is about, uh, I think, the presentation that we are giving on a minority a chance to really become something major in this franchise. I, like, I, I was saying, I, I don't like the title of Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. And the Legend of the, the Ten, Ten Rings. Rings. Thank you. Um just because it doesn't, like, it's not very simple. Like, uh, Black Panther, we knew what we were getting with that one. And then, um, like, my dad jokes, so you wanted, you want Yellow Tiger? That's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Shang-Chi is fine. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, two, twofold. We need to bring new characters into it unless you want to get the Defenders from Netflix. Um, and a lot of people weren't happy with Iron Fist, which Danny Rand is a white guy, okay? That wasn't a whitewashing situation. Um, putting... He was basically Matt Damon mm -hmm. in Great Wall. You're, you're, you're a white hero. And, and I think we're past that now, hopefully. But, you know, we have... Shang-Chi coming up next and not two months later is the Eternals movie, which... Which we have to see for Jack, Kumar, not Johnny. I mean, 
That, that's a selling point right there. And, and that goes into another problem. What few people we are getting out of the independent scene who are getting any traction inevitably are getting subsumed by Disney. No, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, uh, some of the film Twitterers I follow, like Bill Smiley, as well as Jessica, pointed out that's not good either. No. Like Chloe Zhao doing Eternals, and it doesn't look like a very interesting movie. Okay, well that, that's just... I mean, all the movies are flattened out to have the same washed-out gray look. They never try to... Rep they never try to go for the colorful beauty of these their inspirations, even as Black they're getting Panther. into these more. That that's an exception a lot of people like. Okay. But then you get. Oh, I don't know who said it, but oh boy, look at all these these colorful Jack Kirby artwork, and then the movie gives us. I hope you like the color gray. <laughs> you see, I I don't know. I think you're you're. DCEU is kind of blending into your MCU. Uh, like, it's Shazam. That is definitely, um, that ended up definitely being, oh, yes, this should be bright and colorful. And then, um, no, this has Mark Strong in it, meaning it's got to be gray. Um, I recommend Shazam. I, I thought it's a good little comedy. I think they could have gone a little more gremlin element with it with some of the violence you do get to see in that feature. Like, ah, but I don't know. I have not followed up on Joe Dante since uh, Second S Ma Mom suggested watching Second Civil War. And uh, so I haven't watched his uh, Master of Horror. But for your uh, loyal listeners, I did pick up Don... Um, Stuart Gordon's Master of Horror episodes. I'll get around to that at some point. So, and then you have... I mean, it's not a very interesting lineup for the remainder of 2021, because I was looking the other day, thinking, yeah, I, yeah, depending I, on how the, how this next current wave of Delta Crests and all, maybe I'll finally get back to movie theaters at some point. But for the rest of the year, there's just not a lot out there coming down the pipe there we are they're finally getting around to the west side story remake helmed by spielberg mm -hmm. which could be very good well if it's anything like if you wait for like the last weekend of a movie like i tend to oops okay let me check to see the show times there's spiral this week and there's two shows okay that means i better get out but there. if you and wait you, what i'm just saying then you don't have anybody in the movie theater with you and you feel safe from all that delta bombs. but by then all the discourse we get around twitter that's so toxic now or even in other film journalism venues that drew mcweeney has written a lot about this in his uh, newsletter on substack mm. formerly dangerous it is such a broken system, and it ruined, waiting to see a movie kind of ruin, ruins it because everybody's been tear, torn into bits by that point. And that's why I And just... I can't feel I can make a, get that baggage out of my head when I sit down to watch it. Well, this it... is one reason why I don't really keep up with new releases anymore most of the time. Well, I guess my, uh... I usually don't have a chance to see it before the backlash begins. Well, I guess my defense there is that um, of seeing a movie late is comes from the fact I don't follow, I don't really follow film Twitter. I just use it to promote myself. 
and then I just you know follow follow my my friends and my online you know online just that little community that yeah. little click um, I don't know I I am a uh, so and I'm the irony when it comes to the internet I am the web professional and I um, frankly don't uh, particularly care for what the internet does. It was an outlet for me to make a website and everything from there is uh, kind of secondary, I guess. It's it's my creative output. Same thing with this podcast. And thank you very much for listening. Remember to rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and you know, if you want to give me crap, do that at CatBusRuss. Otherwise, help the podcast out with those positive reviews. Thank you. But ne- but the next few months, I'm, I'm looking at Wikipedia and this list of films of 2021. You know, in the next few weeks, we have the Shang-Chi movie. And then the, looking at what's coming down the line, there's Cry Macho, I think, is the next HBO Max uh, simultaneous release. Mm-hmm. Um, the Venom sequel. Okay, well. The film yeah. version of Dear Evan Hansen. Well, I'm I'm definitely there for uh, the Venom sequel. I mean, that is just the first Venom was just such great trash. I mean, that is that is a Oscar the Grouch level of trash. You can't help but love it, but you know it's trash. And. In October, that's when Last Night in Soho comes out. You were asking about that. Thank you. But otherwise, you know, we have Hotel Transylvania and Adam's Family sequels. Well, um, I've only watched the first Hotel Transylvania, and I I can say that was a pretty good one Uh, for a kid's movie. The the Dune half adaptation. So it's only half of Dune, Dune? Yes. Okay, that's good. No, really. What if it doesn't do well enough to film the second half? Why did we give this director another chance at a movie that's definitely probably not going to make money? I mean, he, we, I, Blade Runner 2049 got all the Oscar buzz and such and pretty much declared this guy as one of the finer directors. I mean, they wouldn't, they wouldn't give him this platform if they didn't expect him to uh, give you something that's going to create a lot of buzz and warrant a sequel regardless if it's a financial success so yeah on that end I don't know what HBO is Warner Brothers is thinking but Uh, in November there's Eternals the Ghostbusters sequel that not a lot of people want oh I've heard the well again I'm not doing film Twitter I've heard the opposite like the moment we get to see little Stay Puft Marshmallow Man doing Gremlins type stuff to each other. But how's that supposed to work? As Drew McWeeny pointed out, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is a form of Gozer. Yes, and that tra- in the trailer you get to see Paul Rudd trying to out- outrun one of the dogs. Like this is this is this pl- explains a bit, but this is this is this is the sequel, the original, the kids who got warped by watching a movie that should have definitely been PG thirteen in nineteen eighty four. Well, that's the thing. We're not making movies 
for a general audience anymore. We're only making movies for people who buy the merchandise. And yeah. That's not a healthy attitude. Okay, you start knitting up your... Um, well, I'm, well, that's... I Okay, you win the argument because I said, all right, well, you start knitting up your latest Woody Allen toys because that's the only indie person. And like, oh, yeah, he ain't going to be doing shit for a while, which is sad. I mean, but, the guy is a great autobiographical director. I really like like to see what he could translate the recent Me Too bollocks. I don't mean that as bollocks. I mean, I don't... Woody Allen's a tough subject for me just because I think I have a... I fear that I have a bias because I am such an admirer of his work. That... Because I had this argue, ar, uh, argument with the uh, um, a co-worker about how leaving Netherland is pretty much going to be the definitive word on him. Why are we still selling his merchandise and shit? Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, no, 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 that was a money grab. And it's like, okay, that could be your own bias, trying to protect yourself from realizing that you are... Like, Michael Jackson, if you get brought to court, criminal court once, that means you may not have done anything wrong, but don't do anything that will possibly... Why are you back in court, Michael? I'm sorry. Uh, Woody Allen, I know that, honestly, this was all litigated back in the early 90s during the divorce and all that. So I got my own bias issues, which I kind of fear might muddle, muddle that. But but again, most of, a lot of the movies coming out the last two months of the year, like Top Gun Maverick, uh, more Kingsman and Sing movies. Yeah, not, not well... The there's another people. Resident Evil. I need that reboot, thank you. And Spider-Man No Way Home is one of the big Christmas releases. That's this year? Yeah. Well, um... There's a, remember, there was a huge backlog of movies. Yeah, that but, I, I, but that was 1990. I mean, the last, the last Spider-Man was 2019. I didn't know they immediately went to work on No Way Home. Yeah. Because especially when we keep still hearing... Oh, guess who's coming back from the Raimi series for this one? Okay, well. And there's still a lot of traditional Oscar bait on the way. Right. Way Like, there's House of Gucci from Ridley Scott. Mm. But that's another one that so far hasn't had a lot of positive buzz from what we've seen released of it. I, I'm sorry, can we refer to... This, this is Adam Driver, correct? Um... Yeah, but also Jared Leto. Oh, okay, but that I don't know what to think of Jared Leto. I, I mean, the guy has talent. Rarely seen, but it's it's there. Um, but uh, I will refer to John Oliver when it comes to any buzz regarding Adam Driver movies. If you're familiar with that relationship. And there's another Disney animated musical in Kanto. Okay, it, did I, maybe, maybe I saw a trailer for it or something. This is the one about the family, the magical family and the magical house in Colombia. But of course, our poor heroine is the only one without magic, which means that there are only two ways the movie can end. <laughs> Either she's special because she doesn't have magic or she's actually magical. 
So do we want to start taking bets on that? What's the over-under on that? I don't know. <laughs> like, um... But I'm tired of how all the Disney in-house movies lately, or most of them, if they're not sequels, they're just doing all the hack YA fantasy plot and middle grade novel fantasy plots. Look, I'd rather we just... I don't know. I'm not... A... Because of those plots, I really... If Disney can keep... I don't know. Maybe Disney can be the keepers of this so I don't have to worry about see, hearing about stuff before and people getting all hip and such about their YA that's going to be adapted soon. Like, no, it's YA. It sucks. <laughs> just, you know, maybe if we can... If Disney can control the twi the next Twilight, I, I think I'd feel better. You have very low standards. Okay, I recommended Tromeo and Juliet on the last episode of 90 for There are a lot of people <laughs> so. who are still sad about the fact that Disney shut down Blue Sky Animation Studios and canceled the Nimona adaptation, which was well into production. There's literally an unfinished adaptation of Nimona out there that a lot of people would have wanted to see. Maybe it would have only been a cult thing, but... That wasn't really fair to the creatives. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know what to really think uh, in the end when it comes to the uh, Disney merger. I'd rather Disney have all these properties than News Corp. I mean, the devil that squeaks is better than the devil that uh, sexually harasses. I guess is what I'm getting at there. Hmm. Or, or I guess I'd rather my devil be a mouse than a dirty, fat rat. <laughs> if, uh... I'm sorry this is turning into something of a downer episode. I don't well, and I, I, no, no, no. And I had, I, I had my notes taken from today, and uh, what is that series? Like, I don't know. I, I'm still disturbed by the retarded egg we uh, got to experience today you showed me today the riff track short yeah uh, well i thought it was the mads or no, was that, that, was... that no that was a riff track short oh. we looked at some other <laughs> stuff from the mads are back for those wondering right so this was courtesy was a good example oh gosh you see i didn't even pay attention to the tile oh man they really laid into those puns yeah um but it ends with the the non-courteous egg um benedict yeah oh gosh so now i just realized well maybe they're trying to be clever besides the egg joke and associated with benedict donald uh falling off a slide and cracking himself <laughs> and i'm sorry it's comedy gold when we're like oh he's got massive trauma head trauma Having our um, riffers doing stereotypical Down syndrome <laughs> jokes ends up working, like, and but it's kind of disturbing. It's that you know what? All we need is the right circumstances 
And well, it's the one truth. of my favorite opening jokes in a riff track isn't so offensive, but or as offensive, mm. but it's the one walking to school made mandatory viewing after the fat kid got, got run over by the ice cream truck. <laughs> yes, I'm just saying, like, it, it, if it writes itself, write, it, it, just say it, I guess. So, again, Rift Tracks saves the day. Um, well, it's kind of, well, that kind of joke's more the attitude of the classic Onion headline. Cool toy gets recalled because of three dead kids. <laughs> well, that reminds me, because I did talk about it with uh, JD um, from JDHD series on YouTube about my time at the McDonald's National Customer Service line and how uh, we didn't recall any of the flaming... I should say smoldering Simon the Chipmunk Chipwrecked Toys. I kept bringing it up to the customer. Did anybody get hurt? Oh no, we just want a replacement toy. Alright, uh, please hold one moment. Okay, um, sir, uh, I just got a call about uh, another call about a flaming Simon from Alvin the Chipmunk's toy. Did anybody get hurt? No, then just send them a new toy. Does this have anything to do with those little rollerblade Barbies that had the sparks that came out of the wheels? <laughs> well, I guess that was a gasoline issue, I thought, too, that led to that. Well, recall. anything that could be potentially sparking, like, you know, hairspray or lacquered surfaces. Right, something flammable. Yeah. But... You know, no, I guess, guessing, I don't know. The The promotion was done by the time I got out of there, so anything that happened afterwards, I mean. <sighs> Look, I did my best to protect the children. Somebody thought about the children, and I got paid less than nine bucks to do so. So, thanks for bringing it back down, or <laughs> So, um, so let's see, then... So you're not excited about anything new. Do you have a 90-minute suggestion, perchance? Uh, I would think that if you do have Criterion Channel, the, I haven't had any outright disappointments, well, major disappointments. Some of them are only, you know, good, not great, out of the films they're featuring on Art House Animation right now. And a lot of them are 90 minutes or less. Okay. So... Um, as you said, maybe some uh, disappointments because it might not be great, but you can always count on the Criterion Collection for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will have to say, though, I do need to check out um, Carnival of Souls, the Criterion take on that, because I... I mean, I can see where it's a classic, but I can also see why I paid $14 to watch um, Mike, Kevin, and... It's a... Film that's well suited for a riff tracks because it is very quiet and okay. you can add. It's a very quiet film. No, very true. Yeah, um, and what can be eerie can just as easily be warped into an alternative narrative. I've always liked how Drew McQueen said that when something like MST3K is at its best, it basically creates an alternative narrative for the movie. Oh. And with Carnival of Souls. That's a movie that lends itself very well to that because it's very spare, quite very... It's a Z-budget movie. 
Right. It was this tiny independent thing. Yeah. So it does almost play more like a art house film than a traditional horror film mm. of that period. Okay. So. It's. So it's well made enough to be interesting, but at the same time, you can do stuff with it. So, that's kind of, um, like, I think uh, we kind of just discovering MST3K, say, 97 or so. Well, it's, I knew about it you, before 1996, about, yeah. but yeah, that 1996 was the year that Rhino started doing the video releases. Okay, well... I was saying 97 because I remember we were in uh, Buffalo, New York for Grandma and Grandpa's uh, 50th and uh, wet That was when we were able to see some of the more recent episodes. Yes, but what I was bringing up is the fact that we were in a hotel room just waiting to go and do something in Buffalo and uh, Independence Day came on. Right, 97. Right. And, you know, that was like... By that point, we knew enough about... We, we knew well enough how a good riff worked that yeah. we could start adding our own jokes. Right, so we could totally rewrite the narrative. Yeah. I mean, which is the beauty of riff tracks when you get a major title. I mean, there are yeah. there are questionable crap. Go see Superman, Batman for you, Superman, Donald Justice, the entire three and a half hour cut. It is worth it. Um, but you definitely have Jurassic Park would definitely be something easily laid yeah. out for Independence Day. Yeah. Basically anything that was... That that really tells you how to, we need to worry about cinema if any kind of blockbuster could be rewritten. Or we need to reboot the Muppet Babies properly to, to set things right. What? What? What problem do you have with how they decided to just do a more traditional show for Muppet Babies? Something a little more feasible now. It's not bad. I'm not going to... But it's not what I grew up with. I want my nieces and my nephew to be as meta as possible. And I don't think... We have too much meta as it is. Well, I'm still disappointed at Disney for taking out poop jokes from Bluey cartoons they haven't taken any aww yeah, I didn't no, know they, they, they were, censored any of the yeah no shorts. they were uh, they were uh, it's um it was a watch mojo video what you can't see and so obviously you get stuff like you can't say don't smack with the babysitter if you're mm-hmm. watching adventures in babysitting mm-hmm. um and of course they put a bottom on Daryl Hannah right um no, uh, so it was a bluey, I guess they go to a county fair or whatever, and like a bluey, oh, you're a good pony. <laughs> and Disney, they just do a fart sound. Uh-huh. The original, no, you get to see what comes out the bat. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> freaking out, kids. Because <laughs> our bluey, is bluey a dingo or is it just a dog? It's a blue healer puppy. Oh. In fact, there are one of their friends is a dingo. They oh, so their friends are other breeds of dogs. Oh, okay. They've got a sausage dog, as they like to call them. The Pomeranian. Oh, that's all sorts. Good. <laughs> uh, but no, Louie uh, is a blue healer. Oh, okay. That's it. I think that's a specifically Aussie breed. Oh. 
So, so okay. So, um, let's check out the Criterion channel. She did also recommend Class Action Parts. That's on HBO Max. Max, okay. Um, I really don't watch enough Hulu and like... I, I'm having too much trouble with Hulu. They seem to have real... I would be trying to watch like Star Trek 2 in the afternoon and not being able to get anywhere past 20 minutes in. Huh. Yeah, I gave up. I don't... Hmm. I, I got, I've got too many other services that run pretty smoothly. Okay, I didn't know Hulu was running bad. Uh, they I have just, been. I, well, Hulu for me, like, um, that's usually what I would watch when I'd catch up with Seth Meyers as at work during lunch. And then, like, okay, why hasn't the new Seth Meyers been loaded? And then, well, I mean, I get my internet through Comcast, so I can just watch it on Peacock, so... Um, <laughs> I don't know what to do with Hulu, honestly. Like, oh, Adult Slim stuff. No, I've, I've figured out how to get that. Um, huh. I mean, there are some original movies on Hulu that seem interesting enough, but I really, uh, I don't know. It's like Hulu still, until Hulu becomes Touchstone, I think it's kind of missing the point. If you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, no, I want all my X-Men movies here. I want all my R-rated Touchstone stuff here. I think we're to that point with streaming. is like, we like our brands. But again, that's the problem. The brand worship issue is too limiting. Look, until CBS gives me a good talking duck, I will serve my Disney and Warner Masters. I don't know. I think that's a good place to end. <laughs> I think that's a good theory. Yeah. Well, you want to wrap it up here. That's uh, fine. Uh, no. Well, thank you very much, though. So you are on Letterboxd. That's your primary social media. At yeah. The Poetic Critic. That's The Poetic Critic. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd, CM Darth, uh, Twitter at CatBusRust, as they say. Give me all your grief there. Give me all the five-star reviews elsewhere. And, I mean, it's an understanding, you know, I will give about any podcast a chance. Um, just gotta come up to me. So if you want to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to send me a direct message at CatBusRust. That's C-A-T-B-U-S-R-U-S-S. Or send me an email to rustthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. Just give me a theme, a movie, an actor, a director. As long as you keep it under 100 minutes, I think we can come up with some podcast gold. Uh, and I did suggest it on my blog this week when uh, writing up a synopsis for my the Suicide Squad versus Vampires episode. Um, let's find some movies and try to figure out how to cut cut them down to 90 minutes or so. As they say, Suicide Squad, really good movie. But, hey, um, and again, it just feels blasphemous for a guy who has a Harley Quinn-inspired tattoo. But, yeah, we could have cut her out. <laughs> so... Uh, anything else to add, Gerard? Uh, not today. All right. Well, thank you again for um, turning 
it just doesn't work as well. The old adage of turning chicken shit into chicken salad when we were talking about eggs. Um, that's how you turn, um, old hard-boiled eggs into, uh, mayo, I guess, and we end up with, um, what's that salad that uses mayo? It's not a, a cob salad. There we go. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really, so, yeah, it doesn't sound appetizing, does it? Okay. Well, thanks again for listening, and uh, thanks for dealing with the uh, new podcast setup. This might just be a one-off. Um, I imagine once we take this on the road for Wizard World and C2E2, it might be a different story. Thank you again, and let me try a weird noise. Yeah, jazz horn wasn't that great. All right, there's the applause I needed. Thank you. Hey, just a heads up, this is going to be another heavy uh, podcast in regards to me and the Poetic Critic discussing how Disney is killing independent cinema, or at least absorbing it all. Just made me think, especially with all the weird kind of vibes Disney has, at least with YouTube videos, basically saying what you should, shouldn't buy, and then the worries of trying to appease everybody, be it conservatives or liberals. It just gave me the vision of, say, think of Scorsese's Gangs of New York, how it opens and closes with a melee at the center of the five points. I'm suggesting, perhaps... A melee between conservatives and liberals at Cinderella's castle sounds like fun and sounds productive. No guns, just lightsabers. That's what I'm pitching. I suppose we need to incorporate swords for those Neverland pirates. And I don't know, how many princes actually carry wands? I guess brooms like Fantasia, but I guess I agree with Rory. Disney's kind of making you forget about the old IP. With all that said, let's make it clear. These are the thoughts of one cool movie star better known as Russ Stevens, not those of my guests on the podcast, which we will get to. Well, I don't think Funky's the proper transition I'd like to go to with this, but who knows with the subject matter of the podcast tonight or whenever you're listening to this, time is relative. Um, some TARDIS bullshit, I guess. I mean, I'm with a Doctor Who expert uh, again. This would be the Poetic Critic, and this time we actually have a concept instead of just uh, chalking your ear off. And uh, let me apologize for last week if the earballs comment was a little confusing. I heard no knew I heard it somewhere. I just could not get a good clip of Judy Greer's Cheryl Tunt or Carol Tunt or Charlene. Um, what other names did you use on Archer? I'm just glad Archer's coming back, but I will miss um, the actress who voiced uh, Mallory Archer, who doesn't come to immediate mind. Uh, but, you know what, if anybody wants to talk about the sub-90-100-minute 90 minute, minute movie PCU, I think Jeremy Piven's about in a position where we need to uh, look back and possibly remeasure him, his humanity. I'm just blaming on Mark Wahlberg for coming up with the entourage idea, but 
Nonetheless, this is 90 for Chill, the podcast. I am your host, Cool Movies Darth. You can find me on Letterboxd at CM Darth. Does that guy who sold out United Center have his own letterbox? I challenge the CM Punk. But uh, you can just call me Russ Stevens. Everybody else does. It's worked for 41 years, except for some annoying customers who at the bank who, hey, my name tag is on the the placard. Where's that? Where are you getting that extra syllable? I think it's a power play by someone who's actually a, a therapist. So, I don't know. Control freaks. What can I say? Well, I've BSed enough. So, my guest this week uh, is, once again, the Poetic Critic. That's the Poetic Critic. She is my big sister. And we. I just brought up the um, thought... Well, it's really just a comedy of errors how we got here. I did my best to try to get people to sign up for this podcast to do an episode with me. And in the end, um, I just found out my sister's schedule and like, oh, well, I'm on vacation technically, so this should work. And then I start getting the calls back. And you know what? There's a lot of love for James Gunn right now. And one guy wanted to focus on Slither, another guy just wants to focus on his early works, which has been a desperate search for the movie Super. So far, no luck. I did find Coraline and Road Trip finally, but that's another story. So it looks like I'm going to have to pay that $3.99 rental fee on iTunes, but hey, I got my setup so I can go and dub it on a cheap little DVD. So. That is my week, I guess. Maybe I'll go up to Milwaukee for AEW. I don't know. What's your week looking at, Rory? I don't really have anything going on. I'm mostly going to be working. Okay. All right. Well, your workplace, um, as vague as I can possibly be, actually seems like the type of place that I could see a Wes Anderson movie taking place in. I don't know. Oh, come on. The hilarity with... What could happen in your place of work? I don't think so. Well, well, I mean, it's just, it's something he hasn't done yet. Right. You know, the best I can do is a Rushmore joke. And again, I'm not going to expose the uh, poetic critic's personal life. You can find her at letterbox slash the poetic critic. That's T-H-E-P-O-E. T-I-C-C-R-I-T-I-C. Do you think we should start using handles and usernames and spelling bees? I don't know. Because, I mean, yours is a tricky one because you got that that C followed by a C, you know, no space. It'd be funny to see these little Indian kids and Asians and everybody who's kicking our butts <laughs> trying to happen to say space <laughs> underscore well didn't Conan O'Brien run that into the ground with the slash gag he used to have on his show <laughs> you mean uh, teamcoco.com photo yeah. of slash <laughs> right yeah well he's not here with us anymore oh I don't know I don't know does he still have his podcast or I think so okay so 
be criminal if he just left us to this ginger free world so uh, when it comes to Wes Anderson I guess my first exposure to him was the Royal Tenenbaums and when I first saw it gosh that'd be 13 years ago approximately um, it his movies pack in so much dialogue the movie doesn't cross that hour 50 mark but it sure packs so much stuff that it feels a lot they can feel a lot longer than they actually are they feel i think there's a a feeling of epic and again this is primarily just dialogue being spoken that's true Mm. they do feel longer than they are that's not necessarily a complaint no not at all um, I mean, the Coen brothers uh, are very similar. In yeah, they, they are, Coen brothers. Especially early on, some of their films are pretty short. Oh, yes, uh, Blood Simple, definitely. I think you could say the same thing for Raising Arizona, and you've got Prison Breaks and Bikers from Hell. Um, but I really... Now I say my first experience was the Royal Tenenbaums, and I mean, there's, as I say, it's the last great Gene Hackman, so I can understand why it's held in such high regard. And um, Bill Murray is perfect as always. It's almost like Wes Anderson is stepping on every Criterion member's toes, in the sense that, as I said last week with Jim Jeremish, uh, Jim Jeremish, seems like there should be an extra syllable. Um, like to be in his film regardless of the quality of the film is a badge of honor and i think you'd say the same thing now with uh wes anderson i mean bill murray being constant stalwart i mean you would probably say the best of them have jeff goldblum in some form well i haven't seen all of them yet well I'm also really high on Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. He's not in that. That's a, yeah. I don't. That, that was almost like uh, did, didn't really have a good dialogue coach. Just like okay, pure. Uh, yeah, um, I did see a T-shirt recently, which was uh, just a guy wearing it. To, it said, "Life uh, finds a way." Yeah. <laughs> Complete with the. Oh yeah, that's pretty common now on uh, the official merchandise. It's, you know, it just kind of surprised me more than anything, like, nerdum and how it crosses over and that it was a big, you know, 260-pound black guy. Like, it's, man, you know, we're not that different. So can we stop? Okay. Rory doesn't want to get too political with this. I'll just say white people are not marginalized, and if you blame marginalized people for anything, you're an asshole and scene but i was also talking to rory earlier about uh um hearing about black wrestling twitter on on the mass man show podcast and like how a wonderful place it sounds like it is the same thing with the daily show when they've had uh roy wood jr talk about black twitter and it's like oh they self-police well it's like huh Uh, we just ruin everything hey or was it ruined to begin with and we're just preventing people from changing it? Man in the mirror, man. Okay. But, uh, you know, 
screw Michael Jackson in this event. We're uh, talking about Wes Anderson, and if you want somebody who has the best needle drop soundtracks, well, I don't know. There are a lot of good filmmakers in that regard. Well, I know it doesn't qualify for ninety for chill, um, but come on, an uh, entire Portuguese David Bowie soundtrack. Well, that one is very good. Yes, that's that's what I was getting at. And then it has Jeff Goldblum in it. So I know you're a big fan of Fantastic Mr. Fox, which does qualify for 90 for Chill, the podcast. Um, but outside the animated world, um, I mean, you'd probably go with Grand Budapest then as his finest? Uh, probably. Right. I, but I've only seen a handful. I've seen Rushmore. I've seen... The Life Aquatic. I've seen the two animated ones. Mm-hmm. And I've seen Grand Budapest Hotel. It's only a handful of movies. Well, not not quite even. But it's not like he's really been too epic at, um, at a filmmaker. I mean, it's weird in a world where we're always in for the next Tarantino. Not to put a critic. The, um, the rest of us. Hoping he doesn't do it just calls it quit after 10 movies which in his logic makes perfect sense and it's just like you know it's 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 a go out on top type attitude and i think that's uh actually rather admirable in my opinion um but uh he's really look he had rushmore so he had bottle rocket 96 rushmore 98 um Life Aquatic's the next one, right? And I don't think that was... No, Life Aquatic came after... Oh, Royal Tannenbaum's 2001. Right. So he's only doing a movie... Well, he works every few three years. years. yeah. So, I mean, he's definitely no Steven Soderbergh, who I think just has a problem putting a camera down. I mean, when you're as awesome as Soderbergh, that's not necessary. I mean, that's not a bad problem to have, but... Um, I know there's at least a divorce there, <laughs> Not to pick on good old Steven. I think he spells his name properly. I could go on long rants about people who show up at work, at my job, do something. Hmm. Okay, yes, look up under Stevens. Okay, you want us to do something really stupid, and you can't spell the name right. So, it's not an F sound. <laughs> so, well, um... So I uh, did, I think I did my best. I think the only one I did not catch that uh, fits into that time frame of 90 for Chill would be um, Moon, Moonrise Kingdom. Right. I, I still need to get to that. Yeah, one. I do too. It just... Uh, things get weird when you're using kids, I think. Right. Es- especially with... Uh, I mean, Grand Budapest could have been a PG-13 rated movie and would have suffered for it, but, you know, you could have definitely done away with a lot of the language, elderly boobs, um, and I don't know if Adrian Brody's really great for Wes Anderson, I guess, he's, he's like, well, I couldn't get, well... It's like Wes forgot about Luke Owen once he got a hold of uh, Adrian Brody. So, but um, so for this binge for this episode, I did um, 
it was also um, one of them was also my Netflix DVD another one was a cheap purchase and this is really where the um, Cohen brother comparison sets in you could definitely see it in um, Bottle Rocket um, I mean when you look at Blood Simple being a movie in Texas about murder and such, or trying to get away with the perfect murder, I guess, do you think Hollywood would be better with great criminals, or we need these lousy ones? We need a mixture of everything. I don't think that needs to be a binary choice. Well, if you're a great criminal, say in the movie Heat, with uh, De Niro. Um, usually you have to have that rotten egg in the um, in the crew who's not a regular per not a regular. Right. Who screws everything up and then rats you out and to the um, that villain's credit hey you gave us the be- one of the best shootouts in LA of all time. <laughs> but I don't see heat being up your alley. But uh I think uh, I'm still I'm kind of disappointed right now with the podcast the rewatchables like the first the first episode was heat the second ep- the 100th episode was the reheat and the 300th episode was supposed to be basically they're going to keep doing it every 100 episodes until Michael Mann ha- finally shows up on the podcast but and surprisingly working in a bank the trainer did not has not watched heat or was it the town? Either way, it's like, come on. Um, so yeah, uh, Bottle Rocket, kind of same formula, except everybody's pretty innocent and stupid. <laughs> Which kind of... I don't know, you think the Wes Anderson movies, which are definitely hand-in-hand with the Owen Wilson, kind of gave him that stupid attitude, that stupid appearance, or naive. I'm not at liberty to say. I haven't seen that many of his movies. Oh, I know you said, hey, hey, tune it, hey, stick around, haunting, he's going to get his head popped off. (laughs) That was on you in 2000. That is true. (laughs) It was on cable. We didn't know better. You knew his head was going to get popped off. (laughs) You're just mad because I spoiled it. So yeah, Bottle Rocket, um, I mean, it's it's fun, but it's definitely very much kind of like, what if uh, the Coen brothers skipped um, Blood Simple and went straight to Racing Arizona? It's that kind of charm, humor, and, uh, you know, three Wilson brothers. I think he needs to make sure that's a staple of his features. Let's, let's not third-ass your Wilsons. Or two-thirds ass, because I know uh, Owen Wilson wrote, wrote Rushmore, which, uh, getting right to that, and the one that Rory has seen, um, I find way too relatable as somebody who's trying to be an artist, in a sense. Not that, I mean, in the, in the, in the event that I tried so many things, like, okay, pro wrestling, and no. Screenwriting, no. Podcasting. The numbers are still kind of difficult to say, but uh, enough people are. I see. I mean, I see. 
I see no I see numbers, I don't necessarily see the numbers. So I'm happy. But um I don't know, as a creative, did that have any touch you in any anyway? No, I, the film I enjoyed while watching it, but it didn't leave a lasting impression on me. I must have seen it not long after it had come out on DVD, and that would have been around 2000 or so, I think. And you were holding out on me. I never took the time to look at what those blockbuster DVDs were. This was before that. Well, um, still... Back when we were still renting stuff from the movies America. I thought it would be second cinema to that point. I mean, I think... Well, whatever it was. I don't remember the names. Oh, come on. You're not going to give up on Village Video. That was gone long before then. Yes, but you have to appreciate getting those free Nintendo video game posters and the ill... What was Morton's thing with illegally using the Dennis the Menace characters? Like, they were always stuck on mascot stuff, even at, like, the, the, the Dairy Queen. That wasn't illegal, what Dairy Queen was doing. But Village Video was sure right in the court coattails. Didn't. I don't know why that would have been. I don't even remember that. Okay, all right. Did you remember, and I think it goes for all good video stores, the horror is right by the front. Like, like with the um, horror, like, okay, and Dad's checking out, and let me look down this aisle. Whoa. <laughs> but, um, with that said, though, um, video stores just kind of quickly say, excited for Cl Clerks 3? No, not really. Oh, okay. I I think the funniest thing I saw related to Clerks 3 was when they posted that picture on Twitter. Somebody commented, looks like the, I thought this was red letter media. No, I'm not going to hit the rim shot on that one. But, um. I wish I could remember who said it. Mm, red letter media. I'm actually kind of lost on that one. Red I, letter media is, uh famous for if i remember correctly because you know how these collectives work the ultra long videos that were dissecting stuff like the star wars prequels they also do shows like the wheel of the worst and best of the worst some of which are very funny oh i mean give us but, Greg. that's what put greg kinnear well put people Got Greg Kinnear some notice. I can't really say that. Put him on the map. I would say the suit. Not that best. Oh, the worst. No. All right. See, the memories. But aren't the problem too. with their shows is that they seem to take forever to get to the point. Oh. Like a lot of these, what they call mid-review sketch shows. Some of them, like the Wheel of the Worst episodes. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm. Yeah. Now, I'm now you remember. Right. I showed you the one with the the kitten caboodle and <laughs> the the kid. So Shoji Tabuchi yes. from Branson. Right. They were talking about those. Okay, yeah. So, hey, uh, what the hell? Give it a search on YouTube. See it for yourself. But, yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh... But the thing that made them famous were the Star Wars dissections. And people, that, that kind of thing set a bad precedent yeah. as far as these hours-long response videos go. I'm not... I've realized I'm not really a fan of those. No, no. So many of them are 
bad faith criticisms anyway. Right. Well, no, I, I stick to my 10 minutes ago at uh, what culture myself. And then you got the weird, um, Jord- well, they do a pretty good job covering the Jordy accent. But you can tell when they go to Scotsman, but and I apologize to all our Scotch listeners. Is it? Is it? Yeah, Scott listeners, not Scotch. Ah, forgive me. This is a rare. This has been two weeks of sober podcasting for me. Three weeks if you count my little short episode. But um, what really? What so? You said you didn't really have any takeaways from Rushmore. It didn't really last with you. I mean, I do think Bill Murray was robbed of a supporting actor nomination that year. I think as everybody kind of agrees on that one. Um, I don't know. Have, uh, let's see. 98 Oscars. 99 Oscars. He's also going to edit this bit while he looks it up on his phone. You don't listen to as many podcasts as I do, <laughs> but... Okay, 1999 Academy Awards, awards that took place in 1999, that's weird, like, do you wish they would just bump the, say the, um, Oscar season to like the fall season just so we can get it, not have the confusion of 99 movies, get their Oscars in 2000. No, it, it wouldn't, it would just make matters worse. Yeah, I'm a baseball fan. What can I say? Um, let's see. Oi, not a good picture of Roberto Benigni on Wikipedia. Yeah, Wikipedia really needs to work on their phone app. Uh, best leading, best supporting actor. Okay, it'd be tough to get uh, James Coburn's off that list. Um, Ed Harris, nope, not knocking him off. Jeffrey Rush, he had just won an Oscar, so. Um, Billy Bob Thornton, A Simple Plan, eh. I could definitely say get Robert Duvall or Jeffrey Rush out of there for Bill Murray. Um, I don't know. I think the best thing about Rushmore, though, is that it's really a, it's really a movie about friendship, I think. As, um, or, you know, or maybe, I mean, obsession, obviously, but... I mean, I, I just love the line describing it. Um, you and you and Herman were meant for each other. You're both giant children. <laughs> These are the names that define our world. The artists who shaped our minds. The rebels who challenged our views. But of all these legends, there is one that stands above all others. I'm sorry, did someone say my name? What's the secret, Max? The secret? I think you just gotta find something you love to do and then do it for the rest of your life. For me, it's going to rush me. Sharp little guy. He's one of the worst students we've got. We're putting you on what we call sudden death academic probation. Can I see some documentation on that, please? Did you invite that kid to your party? Max Fisher. Come on, Dad. There's going to be girls there. I'd rather die. Pull your head out of your... Maybe I'm spending too much of my time starting up clubs and putting on plays. It's time, homie. Kiss me, little one. I said 
should probably be trying harder to score chicks. I like your hat. You're a teacher here, aren't you? Oh, I'm so glad you could come. I want you to meet a friend of mine, Peter Flynn, Max Fisher. Hi. Who's this guy? Has it ever crossed your mind that you're far too young for me? I like your nurse's uniform, guy. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? I don't know what you see in her. I don't think she's right for you. What's that supposed to be? Hello, Herman. How are you, Rosemary? I know about you and the teacher. Does Max know? He's about five foot three, 112 pounds, glasses. You know, you and Herman deserve each other. You're both little children. War does funny things to men. But you'll find a pair of safety glasses and some earplugs underneath your seats. Please feel free to use them. What do you think of Max's latest opus? It's good. But let's hope it's got a happy ending. Rushmore. Thank you very much. So that was very weird when it came to a trailer. It's weird because it's like trying to do an MTV effect for a eclectic movie and all I think is the best word to say it in terms of Rushmore. There's no real grunge sounding stuff in that movie. I mean, I think you get John Lennon, Yoko Ono drops, if anything. It is in life aquatic soundtrack wise, but it's definitely interesting enough. And I don't want it to be confused with all of this hip 90s, late 90s fare. The let's make sure Gen X comes to this feature type. So I had to take a break, a pause in the uh, pod. And then I ended up failing to realize if it was recording again. I just hit the play button. I think I needed to hit the red button. We're going to find that out right now. So... Sorry that we're coming into this conversation as I predict mid-note, I guess. But thank you for your patience, and welcome back to the show. To be recognizable by the masses. I mean, there is Michael Bay, but he's just... But that's just an exaggeration of what came before him, what his style is. Hmm. With Anderson... I know the guy has, there is a huge, there are fandoms and there are also hatedoms, and he has a huge one. A lot of people seem to see his films as insufferably twee and cutesy and not concerned with characters or story. And I understand where they're coming from because they're very, he takes a very dry, stylized approach to the humor and the and the drama in his films, like in Life Aquatic. I mean, Life Aquatic is partially funny because everything's kind of at a remove of how intensely people should be feeling things. Well, I don't know. I I, I step back and look from a movie like Life Aquatic, and it's like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be panicking too much about being held hostage by... um, Uh, South um, Pacific Island pirates. You know, you should just be cool as a cucumber with Jeff Gold, like Jeff Goldblum. Or like, so you guys are here to rescue me. Yep. 
called. <laughs> um, and I think it was awesome. I mean, I think, and you could probably say that about uh, Royal Tenenbaums, is actually that uh, you got a lot of quirky characters. I mean, well, that's also part of it. People having quirky characters in anything is going to alienate at least some of your audience. If you don't, some people want characters they can have a beer with, and some people want to keep away from certain people at parties. And in what that's a roundabout way of saying is some people find the Wes Anderson characters insufferable. These are the type of people I drink, like I look for at bars to have a drink and there's the fact that he isn't, that unlike a lot of the titled filmmakers we have, especially right now, he doesn't go, although his films have the aesthetics of Oscar bait and their ambition and scale, he's not really talking about the way we live now or deeply serious topics in his films. He's not making, he's not, it like he's not doing the kind of stuff, middle brow stuff that around Howard does. Yeah, but he he's not, and also being that, that actually reminds me. Yesterday, I saw a DVD copy of Cocoon for only about ten bucks. Almost purchased that just because you can't get it. But, but what we've come to associate prestige filmmaking with is that it oftentimes has to be very dour. I mean, there there is very little place for comedy anymore in awards season or even in the mainstream because the market's become so fractured. And whenever you do get anything remotely comedic into the Oscar race, it often gets dinged as being twee or not taking its subject seriously enough or because you think of how some of the European Oscar winners the last few years that did make crossover into the American market, like Benini's Life is Beautiful, or The Artist. Which I, I found to be excellent, very charming. And I just said, I mean, I'm Jean Desjardins, I'm just happened to be a fan of after I saw his OSS. Yeah, the guy is huge over there. Oh yeah, and any and like if you were following international filmmaking, you knew the guy's work. Mm -hmm. But that, for almost invariably, those are the, the a film like The Artist or a film like Life Is Beautiful to an extent, or maybe more recently Jojo Rabbit. Uh, while you wind up getting invited to be get a big backlash for being twee and if if you're doing anything dealing with the kind of subjects life is beautiful or jojo rabbit well you'll be opened up and as that you're trivializing something or being even dinged as being outright evil for what you how you treat the subject matter that you don't do it in a certain acceptable way and there's a lot of debate to be had on that. Um, are there are there subjects you can really deal with at all? But at the same time, if you try just to do a straight comedy, like the con comedies that Anderson does, 
that aren't deeply rooted in what people consider reality and real world concerns, you get accused of, you get accused of focusing on first world problems. I mean, Anderson's movies do aren't exactly the most diverse movies on the market. <laughs> and that's I think that's another reason people but but the Portuguese Bowie. I think that's one thing that rubs, rubs people the wrong way is you that want... people don't like focusing on movies about rich white people problems. Well, and in um, Life Aquatics of Defense, there's uh, our protagonist is definitely not rich. That's that's roughly true, but yeah. still, it's di- I no, think... it's it's quite first world problems, especially in, it goes back to Rushmore, and I think this is actually pretty appropriate now, especially when I may have lost uh, about. 10 minutes of conversation <laughs> um you know that's definitely Rushmore's definitely a movie about first world problems now granted one of your I guess you would say your protagonist in Jason Schwartzman uh is definitely trying his best to take it to the rich guy but he definitely identifies as such which explains a lot of America in all honesty so I don't know better better um, ad campaigns and I think Wes Anderson could probably come across as a conservative hero just just that's just just bullshit in there but it does speak to the fact that what at a time when the market for mainstream filmmaking as a whole has badly shrunk to the point that a lot of big filmmakers have had to resort to working with streamers to get what they really want to do produce, like Scorsese working with Netflix. And what's seen as acceptable subject matter for whatever whatever crumbs the studios have left that they want to look like they at least superficially care about art. Mm-hmm. And it's virtually impossible for comedy of any kind to thrive in that market. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I don't know. Uh, with that being said, and um, I just kind of like, I think really now uh, cinema is um, going to the movie theater has become a um, outlet for the uh, disenfranchised, um, the, the trivialized, the marginalized. Uh, it's like when you go to say um, Northwoods Mall now. It's a there's a lot more um, ethnic themed places. Um, I say that as in basically, well, they don't get great internet in those areas, so they're the only ones who are really going to be going to the mall to shop now. And I'd say that. Um, you know, that might be the case when it comes to streaming and having all the high-end HDTV TVs and high-speed internet and such. And I think that might, I'm just saying, this might play a factor in why we're doing this phony, or the suggestion of phony um, inclusion. Well, it's possible, but I think, I think that's, that's not something I'm qualified to talk about. No, but just what I am, it out there. But, but I, I do want to bring up another issue with the backlash against Anderson. 
I find it interesting that the backlash really began in earnest at a time when mainstream filmmaking really started falling into the cookie cutter IP intellectual property festival that we have now. He might be the, I mean, if there's one thing Anderson has managed to avoid, it is that he is not, he's one of the last indie directors who was able to leap to big, big studio productions without having to just settle for doing superhero movies or other tent poles. Well, I mean, Taika Waititi, for the most part, I mean, yes, he did Thor uh, Ragnarok. You can't say, you know, and the, but his following film was Jojo Rabbit, and before that, it was What We Do in the Shadows. So I'm just saying. He keeps busy. He's able to keep busy enough that he at least has something to do, but he's still going to be tied down to have one foot tied down to Disney. And as any filmmaker working in that system ends up being, I mean, John Favreau stopped directing the MCU films because he didn't like the way the films basically were just setting up the next installment and the next installment. But he still hasn't done a ton of work outside the Disney fold as yet. Well, he did get Chef in in there, and um, yeah, no, no. Otherwise, no. We're not getting Swingers or Made or right, Three. What, what 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 are we going to get out of Chloe Zhao at this point? I think you're just a little too paranoid on that. She's got her. I mean, she's got the she got the Oscar correct for right. um, No Man Land. Yeah. Which. Um, no offense, I, you can't sell me on a movie where Norm Mac, uh, I was about to say Norm MacDonald. Uh, oh shoot. France, uh, Francie McDormand poops in a coffee can. So, I mean, I don't know. I think when you have that kind of prestige going into, say, The Eternals. But it, the problem is, is that the filmmakers don't get to use their skill set when they do these films. But then, I don't know, the other argument for that would be, um, obviously, Black Panther and Ryan, Ryan Coogler. That's another of the few exceptions. I, the film Twitter folks I hang out with will get, will give, a pre, will appreciate what that film or Thor Ragnarok managed to do within some very tight confines. But it still isn't enough and it's one, I think it's Bill Smiley on Twitter, who points out, at this point, the major studios are just gobbling up all the good indie directors so they can just churn out factory stuff. I mean, of all the things, like the same guy directed the Paddington movies, and the only project anybody could come up with him to do a after that as a big studio production is Willy Wonka prequel. Like, they cannot think of anything else to do. Or Den Dennis Villanueva, you know, is getting stuck with all these adaptations of niche material like Blade Runner 2049 and Dune. It's not that these films can't be good, but... Well, in his, de in his defense, I think this is the type of stuff he's wanted to do. It's, it's true. Some of these directors 
we're working up to this sort of thing. But I don't think Chloe Zhao was working her way up to do a C-list Marvel movie. Rit Kumail Nanjani is definitely a minus list. Um, I'm not talking about the caliber of the actors. I'm talking about... No, no, I, I'm saying no. This movie has to be that or I'm going... Or, uh, you know, it's like... I'm going to police Dewey Griffin. I'm out. <laughs> We're going into this point where we've pretty much run out of interest. The studios have pretty much run out of any in interesting IP. Well, it's going to have to take... What they see it as is well, IP. They yes. don't see it as stories. No, you're, you're precisely right there. And at the same time, there's not a thriving scene for independent filmmakers because if you try working with Netflix, you have to have the reputation of a Scorsese to get anything really big out of their resources because Netflix could just as easily greenlight 10 more Christmas romance movies with the kind of money you might need to pull off a big production. Well, you, for every one of those you say that, there's always Okja, which was... Um, yeah, Bon Joon-ho. And even in those cases, Netflix still is not the kind of exposure you would have had theatrically. And of course, we're still in, evol in an evolving situation there. Mm. But, and it's always a hobbled leg when you try to get into the awards competition or what have you when you start on streaming. I mean, more and more filmmakers are accepting that they have to deal with streaming like Spielberg, you know, as producer at least. But it's a hobbling experience, I would imagine, for some of these filmmakers. And part of the problem is, is that the places like Netflix or Disney Plus are perfectly happy to keep content hose flowing. So they greenlight all these cheap productions and TV shows. There are tons of them virtually no one has heard of uh, though some do well enough to get more than one season, that they just keep churning out and they go they go by virtually unnoticed or they don't last very long in people's memories. Mm -hmm. And you can't really promote your best product that way. Well... Or, and the fact that we increasingly use wind up using the term product is part of the problem. No, I, I agree. Um, I think the biggest problem with Disney is that I mean for the last gosh is it really um, well let's see we're almost to the 100th birthday of one uh, what was the name of the bunny um, definitely had two wordy a name for Disney to go with that character Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Yes, okay, but no, we're about to the 90th anniversary, the 100th anniversary of the mouse in just eight years? Yeah, roughly. Right. Um, I would say ever since uh, Snow White, Disney, the name is the product. Well. I mean, it was the theme parks that kept Disney afloat. 
Until yeah, the, they got their feet got their feet on the ground. Yeah, in the seventies and eighties. And even then that wasn't easy. There was the early disappointment a lot of people had with Epcot. That sort of thing. But you can't the commodification of product and companies not being willing to try and see what they do is anything more than brand management. There's an excellent Lindsay Ellis video on that in relation to the Beauty and the Beast remake where she compares the corporate styles of the Eisner regime of Disney for as many flaws as that had with the current Bob Iger era and how it's become, it's not really willing to take risks anymore. And the lack of risks flattening out because the Marvel movies are, my friend Jessica Ritchie puts it this way, they're like the Applebee's hamburgers of movies. They're consistently fine, but they're just there. And you just eat one and then eat another. And, you know, maybe the people would, maybe you'd like something different, but you get conditioned into the corporate work, brand worship we're seeing a lot of now. Uh, the Disney adult, for instance, which often overlaps with the MCU, of course, because they're both Disney, is where people are so conditioned to want and enjoy stuff that's just fine that they're not willing to take a chance on anything risky. And tying that back to Wes Anderson, it's telling that the backlash against him was coming at a point when franchise filmmaking... And a certain sameness quality to everything really started becoming the norm in blockbusters. They we don't know how to prop to prop like as if the mass audience no longer really knows how to respond to anything that isn't homogenized and prepackaged. That that's an that's the art is collaborative, of course, but is the vision that a director and their collaborators have that goes down from the lighting to the casting to the acting styles and to the staging. I mean, even people who prefer, who don't like the DC movies, especially the Snyder movies as a whole, will admit they at least had more imagination in how they staged things and shot things than the Marvel movies have. Like Jessica, Jessica Ritchie, she likes to say that the Marvel movies all kind of all look like they take place in banks. <laughs> I, okay, well, when you bring up Snyder, though, it's like, this is when I was confused when you are saying all the grays of Marvel. It's like, no, if you want a gray world, you go to the Snyderverse. And would I really call him inventive with what he was doing with the... No, I watched them because, hey, I dug Watchmen, I dug 300. Um, and we'll get into it probably tomorrow or with the next episode with um, uh, when we go into James Gunn, who wrote... Um, Dawn of the Dead 2004 um, I would say he's actually probably like no this is, these are Zack Snyder movies they're not DC movies if I right. have any, any issue with right that. that's part of it 
and DC ultimately came to regret that they went all in on Snyder when it became clear that style didn't catch on with a lot of audiences. I'm sorry. Suicide Squad has an Oscar to its credit, so I, I'm... You know what? Screw the screw the mainstream so does, audience. You whoever sits there, well, thank down. God it's Friday has an Oscar too, and uh, nobody would call that a great movie. <laughs> and I know a lot of people love Top Gun, and it has an Oscar. Um, man, I now thinking, I'm just going on. Now I'm just going on bad movies with Oscars. Uh, hmm. But. The, con- the content paste thing. <laughs> I love that term. I think Jessica was the first to use it, and maybe not, I don't know. But the content paste thing <laughs> is a very apt metaphor for how it's coming off these days. I, I think, no, I just, I, I, I'm to the, I'm thinking that, no, you just, you just, I, I think a lot of these audience, when you say content paste, it's like, Okay, comic book movies you would hope are being made for comic book fans, and I'm not the comic book nut that I wish I was. Most people do not read comics. No, no, and I, I've had that um, on stuff. I'd like to try getting Jessica Quaz from Second Chance Movies back on just so we can talk about it. like, no, 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 Super Superman, Dawn of Justice, <laughs> Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice makes perfect sense. To the audience like so like everything it makes sense to me like and I think any comic book fan and I think that's a good um, place to go with this if you're really into the comic books and if you're one of the rare directors who are actually into that well wow. uh, the storytelling is the storytelling and I don't think it's a content and pace situation this is just like i want to come back for more it's like me wanting a saw movie every year you know maybe if i maybe we kept up going with nightmare on elm street movies regardless how crappy they were getting i would have wanted that it's just that is comfort food that is not applebee's applebee's is not comfort food that's discomfort food that's where you take a first date to if you can't figure out something cool to eat try something foreign that's all I'm going to say. Um, no, real com- no, no, Jessica's talked about this. Uh, it's not fair to pick on people who want more than content paste, who maybe want a scratch me bear claw or uh, a nice sa- light salad tossed in a vignette, as she's put it. Okay. It's, salad is not a meal. I'm going to go there. Of course it's a meal, especially if you put protein on it. Chicken, shrimp. No, the answer is bippity-boppity-bacon. And no, that's not protein, no matter how much I love that portion. No. And yes, I eat port rinds. And trying to make something for the fans and enlisting the help of the fans usually ends in tears. Oh, eh. No, it's what ends in tears is when you listen to the wrong fans. Basically, the vocal minority, which is what happened to Star Wars. Well, that's a good example, but you, but then 
if anything, the Disney remakes appeal to a silent majority of people who don't have, who are completely okay with content paste, so long as it's something familiar. Right, but as I say, that's a totally different, going and remaking your IP is totally different than, okay, and I'm waiting for next week. If anything, we've gotten a problem with TV and cinema being so, since Game of Thrones, and I'd say to a lesser extent, Boardwalk Empire opening that door, which is obviously so opened by The Wire, but what I'm saying is that it's, I think with everything being almost interchangeable now uh, between TV production and uh, films, that I think part of the audience is conditioned to want the next volume. Yes, and that's not necessarily a good thing. I, I that's like that's like saying, yeah. Oh. If you can't ever end the narrative properly. The stakes fall flatter. The narrative and if they end, all have the, to be consistent, nobody can do anything distinctive. The narrative ends when your protagonist surprisingly dies of colon cancer. Yeah, that may not have been worth a wimp shot, but <laughs> I'm going for it. Um, but when what really kind of throws me because I, I think we're just circling around and it's not as bad. It is that bad. It's not as bad. Um, is when you go on to this um, backlash towards Anderson. And again, I think when you say backlash, this is definitely, again, vocal minority stuff. Because, um, you know, I didn't really rush to Anderson because, yeah, you got Bill Murray, but you kind of seem a little really pretentious to me. I was 21 and I was getting concussed twice a week. The good old days. Um, so, uh, when I'm. So, I, you know, so, the backlash doesn't really affect me much, or I don't even really notice it. And I think a lot of the backlash, again, as I say, internet has been. If anything, we need more inclusivity in Anderson's storytelling just so we can have a big, scary black guy serve as a bouncer for film Twitter. We got a problem here? <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just saying how Martin Scorsese may be smelling his own farts. But you know what? That is fine, because I'm sure he farts potpourri. What I'm saying is that Anderson still has the freedom and has managed yes, to maintain the freedom of right. doing what he actually wants to do as a filmmaker. I don't imagine a lot of the people who are tied down to stuff like Marvel really be, want to do those kind of movies. They're making the best of a bad situation, and that's not unusual in any kind of art. I don't think it's... The history of art going back to the studio era is full of people... I, I don't think it's making the bad the best out of a bad situation. It's no, I mean, you're getting this is the only way you're really gonna get your work exposed. Like if the Eternals knocks out of the ballpark, people are then going to go back to No Man's Land. No, that's what that's something my friends and I have noticed too. People don't go and look at these other people 
the wor other works of these performers and actors. With that said, go and watch Chef. It's got Scarlett Johansson, John Favreau, John Leguizamo is awesome, which I mean, is another DVD purchase I made today because it seems to be rare. Super Mario Brothers. I want to see how I want to try to take note how drunk John Leguizamo really was on set. Like you don't see a big rise in interest in other films these people have made or even other films these actors have made because well, audiences of... aren't curious enough and that's part of the problem of the branding and content bubble well, it's intentionally their... there to make you curious i find it ironic that now you know warner brothers merged with the discovery networks and all that yeah under the time banner it's like warner discovery or something is right. the new company name and i said on twitter that's as ironic a name as there is when you consider that all they want to do is keep you watching their products and their movies and shows and not anybody else's. It works completely against the concept of discovering things. And Disney has okay, this problem what, too. Okay, what have we really discovered from Discovery in the last 15 years? We can make jokes, but those shows Aliens! Are Sorry, I did the, I did the, you know, I know, it's an audio con concept, doing the freaky guy with the hair and the, and the hands by his face doesn't work. Um, no, I, like, here, I guess, Wes Anderson, now, now we're getting into awful hypotheticals, just, just plain awful hypotheticals. If he did a franchise picture... I think we would go back to There was a Saturday Night Live parody that wondered how he'd do a horror movie. <laughs> well, I'm sure he could, though. Um, like, I would love to see a Woody Allen horror movie. Um, what, I, what I'm getting at is, at least with these directors, I mean, Rushmore ends kind of bittersweet. You realize who you really are. If In uh, the case of Fitz, you're... You realize that you, you know, you just got to be happy growing up. And with Herman, you just got to, you just got to be, you just got to quit hating yourself. Um, what I'm saying is if they, if Anderson was a doomsday franchise fair, that he's got subject, he has movies, he doesn't even, he's even does it better than Alan, where... You know what? I'm not going to, like, take Ryan Coogler, for example. All right. Have I watched Creed or Fruitvale, Fruitvale Station? No. Creed? I'm sorry. I'm on Team Rocky Five. was good. Um, but, you know, we had Rocky Balboa. Did we really have to keep bringing them back? And from what I've heard, yes. So, yeah, I'm going to get around to Creed. Fruitvale Station? I remember that story in real life. Like, that's going to be a downer. So it's kind of like, um, I think that might be part of the problem. Taika Waititi, he doesn't have any downers. He, he's got misunderstood Nazi movies, but no downers. And I think, I don't know, I really need to see Jojo Rabbit now with all of this because I don't think Oscar is dumb enough to go and suggest movies to watch 
if they don't think that regular people can discern that, hey, we're not glorifying Hitler here. And, um, yeah, that's where I'll go with that one. Um, but, I mean, the worst thing that happened in Grand Budapest Hotel is the um, epilogue where, oh, they shot him on sight. And it's kind of like, no, I think he would have liked going down that way. Well, the point is that you'll never know if you like something or not unless you try it. I mean, what's wrong? There's Look, nothing wrong I, no, with no, being no, no, curious. No. Green apple Skittles basically told me never to trust the color green. I, you know, I guess you could say, oh, well, you tried them. No. <laughs> I, I have done this a lot of times. I've had some surprising disappointments, and I've had some surprising opening up, opening ups. I've, I, it's known that I've worked through most of the Jeff Goldblum filmography. We've come to a point where we've hit some mo movies over at the Goldblum Complete Works podcast. I haven't been able to see or didn't see when I had a chance. Like, he has a five-second cameo incident at Loch Ness <laughs> that we that I should have covered when I had the chance, but. Going into all those different Goldblum movies, and not all, plenty of them are duds on a whole, the whole. I mean, I didn't care if really Igby goes down that much. Or, uh, but it also was in, got me able to at least sample filmmakers like Joan Micklin Silver or Philip Kaufman or uh, Paul Schrader more than I had before. And that's a good thing. At least I can, I, if I don't enjoy something, I at least have the comfort of knowing a little more about what I'm talking about and being able to better defend my opinions about what really matters to me against what doesn't matter and to appreciate things more. I think that's part of what being a film hobbyist ought to be. Well, no, and aside from me being anti-vegetable, I do agree with the sentiment, and I'm glad you found uh, Jeff Goldblum to be your path to that kind of exposure. And what I would say, though, is, like, rarely do I get to see, and maybe this is what you're getting at, that I get to see these directors do anything um before they get into the mainstream but that is just the flaw just the flaw of independent cinema is that you can't go and do that you can't you don't get the exposure um i don't think it's the machine's fault and like so no i haven't gone back and seen ryan coogler's uh complete works but it's something that i mean to do um, and I have to thank the Marvel Universe for that. Now, I think what we're getting at is people, like, the difference between an Applebee's burger and genuine comfort food. I mean, genuine comfort food is nothing but indulgence. An Applebee's burger is just a where are we going to eat type thing. And personally, I hate Americana food for that. Chili sucks too. What's wrong with chili? 
okay, uh, the sauce on their boneless wings sucks, and then never mind the fact your boneless wings are pretty much just breading. Um, but, um, but when it comes to Wes Anderson and Backlash, it's kind of like, what I was more fascinated by the fact is that we're talking about backlash that came in 2001, 2004, and I can't say that franchise cinema was really thriving at that point. I think it was actually like the best thing you had would be as suggestions is um, the concept of we must do trilogies and The Matrix uh, two and three, which are all right movies. Three is better than two, um, and the Pirates franchise and otherwise the only other IP would be at that time I'd say the American Pie series and um, I'm trying to revive Superman again well there, it's interesting reading the uh, wonder the delightful popcorn champ series over at AV Club you can say that things started going south in 1999 with the Phantom Menace because Everybody went to that movie. Most people didn't enjoy it, but they still had faith that things might get better down the line. It was the at the end of the '90s we learned that a movie could be a hit without actually being any good. Okay, no, we knew that back when Mannequin was a hit in 1987. Well, there are plenty of movies that people that critics might not have liked, but they appealed to the masses or even just a cult audience in a certain way and as, that's okay as space pointed out when simon pegg's character gets fired after ripping into a kid about asking for a jar jar binks toy um you know no kids love what what is your problem kids love jar jar binks it's a piece of garbage what about ewoks like um so, no, I, I kind of disagree with that. I think anybody who really thinks and Phantom Menace really, is garbage is full of it. It's really being kept on the... People have let themselves be kept on the hook that they're, they might be subconsciously hoping things will get better at least, or consciously, but it never will. <laughs> they keep, which is part of the franchise and brand thing. At some point, you have to get off the wagon. Not necessarily true, though. I think Marvel, like, I think in, I might even be of this persuasion, um, that with Marvel, the cinematic universe has been wrapped up, should have been wrapped up with a bow at the end of Endgame. I mean, the only things we were really hinting were, all right, the Asgardians of the Galaxies might be a thing, and we might be looking for Gamora, and we know Adam Warlock is coming. That's all we really got out of the get, got out of the MCU when it ended. Basically, James Gunn, who will be the subject of my next podcast, <laughs> was the only guy who had seeds planted in for the future. Um, good thing they brought his ass back. Um, and 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 I could go with. I mean, if it wasn't for the great television, in my opinion, that Disney has produced with the Marvel franchises, I would say I could go 20 years, because I'm used to that shit. Thank you, George Lucas. 
I can go 20 years without having another Marvel movie. But I think that's... I think by... I think my position is definitely in the minority. Or I shouldn't... Not necessarily that it's in the minority. I think it's cruel, honestly, if my position actually came to fruition. I have nieces and nephews, man. I can count on Marvel. Now, for adults, like, I don't know. It was something like this, listening to Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling on the MLW Podcast Network, uh, when they were talking about the fact they were going on a rant about stuff that rhymes with itself or stuff that just doesn't make sense. Like, um, they go over Eric Bischoff's theme song, I'm Back and Better Than Ever. I have a knack for making things better. Basically, rhyming better twice. And then they brought up a country song. I can't remember the name of the artist, but it's like talking about a promiscuous girlfriend getting um, anal in Austin and bum... um, action in Boston and they were just complaining about the fact that why you know we're we're cursing and cursing we know kids listen to this podcast and those kids will appreciate it when they're adults that we took the time to speak to them like they're adults so if anything I don't know I guess what I need is some good R-rated crap to entertain myself and sneak to my nephew well, that's the subject for another time, I suppose. Well, but that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to... I'm not a parent, but I know I can trust the Marvel Universe not to screw up my nephew and my nieces. But that's not much of a demand. Is it? Like... I mean... Look at how many crappy movies Mom had to endure for us. Sure. We all had to do... That's... A, Think of all the crap I had to wade through as I got older and we were still going to kids' movies in the 90s. Yeah, I really, again, really want to get back with Jessica Quaz because after the Space Jam getting the second chance while Tropic Thunder does not, um, like, no, I, I, I remember Space Jam being total BS. I'm from... Illinois, Michael Jordan was the biggest thing that going on. But at least he had a choice of movies and he didn't just... I mean, it isn't necessarily a bad thing to have a reliable brand name. Some studios get very good at specializing in certain kinds of movies. But it... The studios have become too complacent, though. Well... That that's that's not going to change until there's a fallout. And there isn't going to be in this deregulated industry since there are very few choices that can compete against them. We, it's probably going to be a very painful collapse before we can get things to improve again, unless the co- unless the law starts coming in to break up these companies. And unless we see some really catastrophic losses on the part of all these upcoming tentpoles, I don't think things are going to change that much. 
the studios have really big, they have very big control over movie theaters and distribution. It's, it's killing not, all potential competition. I don't know. It almost sounds like you're saying Andre Tarkovsky was being shoved down the Soviets' throats. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, throwing that out there, like you say, we're in a bad deregulated situation. I'm saying, like, well, if you want regulation, how the heck did we get art out of the? But that's a strong man. What he, it's what at the end of the '60s, the reason New Hollywood was able to exist and come out out of the ashes of the collapse of the studio system, when they put in insane amounts of money into films like Dr. Doolittle or Hello, Dolly, that almost ruined their studios for good is because there was a thriving independent market at the time, including the Grindhouse Fair, but that, and like churning mills like those of Roger Corman that in their own way churned stuff out like so, so many sausages, but didn't have but we're in such a hurry that we didn't necessarily have a house style and people had some freedom to experiment on limited resources. We don't have that now so much. Well, I don't know how deregulation is going to change that. Because... Well, it would add more competition again. We only have four major studios at this point. Well, again, I guess it would be... How can you really deregulate when they've been doing the same thing they've been doing since the 60s? Uh, you could say, well, they, they had to reinvent themselves. Okay, well, they reinvented themselves into this, and none of that was illegal. Or even, I would say, even questionably. Um, I mean, it's the it, deregulation in the 90s leading to studios buying TV networks. Oh, that, okay. Oh, you, and you basically, more than basically, one. Basically buying basically being in a position to control your own marketing exactly okay no, that's a, that's a large part of it well that's what's going to happen with i mean streaming services i know you have one for three of the major studios uh warner disney and paramount and four with uh universal so sony's the only ones who don't really have their a hand a hand directly in the game not yet anymore. And Lionsgate, but who the hell knows what they do? Aside from buy all the A twenty four. There you go, A twenty four. Why are we so worried? That is still only one company. Well, I mean, if they get big and like Legendary did, and then everybody starts buying Legendary products, and then. They're secretly running it all. I mean, so... But, um... So I guess, since we're not really talking about the movies of Wes Anderson... I'm I mean, sorry, but... No, 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 It's That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Um, I mean, I guess I should have jumped in this earlier, but who knows, it may, not, may have been in that 10-minute section, and who knows, that might even be longer. I just noticed the red dot wasn't on. Um, when you go to about comedies and best picture, you have the artist, which I would essentially call comedy. At least the, I would say it's closer to a comedy musical, um, straight up drama. 
and then you had um, so a lot of people angry that won won the Oscar. I know that. And then you had 2015 though, where the Oscar was won by a comedy, and you also had a comedy underneath it in um, the Best Picture race being the Grand Budapest Hotel. If you see where I'm going at, like, I think Wes Anderson happened to just be at a great time with Grand Budapest Hotel. If, because I would, I would consider Birdman to be a comedy. My take. A comedy brilliantly directed and a style that I don't see anybody ever going to be able to recapture. Sorry, Dunkirk. Sam Mendes, you got your Oscar. I don't feel too bad for you. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Like, you say a lot about the backlash towards him is just being uh, very. Glib. Well, it's a bad sign of things to come. Well, I in don't, hindsight. Um. But I shouldn't this give you a little faith? in the studio system as it is right now if we still let Wes Anderson be Wes Anderson if we still let Simon uh, if we still let Edgar Wright be Edgar Wright nobody's making the Coen brothers do franchises yes but I they know all the Coen brothers also retired but or, yeah that's part of it a lot of the really great filmmakers who have the clout to keep doing what they're doing be it Scorsese or Spielberg but, or as I, are, but as I say, I did just mention right. A lot of these aren't long for this world. And, and Tarantino, I And Edgar Wright might mean more if his movies were as popular as his fans would make you believe they were. I, I don't... Like, if that's no, no, a style no, no, that no. seems to turn a lot what? of people I know off, it's Edgar Wright's. Oh, okay, there's... I, uh, I don't... I don't... I... I mean, there's nothing about that that appeals to me. I don't have an easy in on that. You love British comedy. The Conetta trilogy is up your alley. I'm not going to tell you to watch um, uh, Scott Pilgrim, despite I've got I think a lot it's... of other stuff to work through first. That gaps in my knowledge, I feel more excited and obligated to work through. There's nothing about Edgar Wright that grabs me. He got the last great spacey performance. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just No, I I but I guess here I think we're we've come to a uh, the proverbial fork in the road. I mean, you wanna catch up on all this stuff in the past and I'm saying that the present isn't as bad as you think. It's hard to tell when everybody is either totally for or totally against it. I find that it well, might my, as well wait a, a decade or so and see if anybody cares about this stuff down the line, and then maybe I'll see if it's useful or not. Well, I, and there's so much of the past to excavate anyway. Well, on the Rewatchables podcast on the Ringer Network, um, Bill Simmons, the guy who runs the Ringer yeah. and does most of those podcasts, right. uh, basically said, like, you know what, we should not have the Oscars... In for, for let's just say 2019 20, the 2021 Oscars should not happen in 2022 
they should happen in 2026. So you really get some time to really figure out what the best movies were. You have to remember, of course, that most award ceremonies are more self-promotion for the industry or just the people giving them out than anything else. Oh, those We people, shouldn't think those... about it as being anything useful. Oh, it's those... just an entertaining horse race. Hey, Daddy, Daddy, look at that plane. Oh, yeah, someone that's heading to Los Angeles where they make our dreams come true. And... <sighs> With blockbuster movies... Award shows for the awards to award shows. Get my gun. <laughs> oh, there's nothing to worry about. It's just another um, farmer taking shots at us. I still think the critic is due for a reevaluation at this point, as far as 90 shows go. Well, that's one of those weird things I think the internet got ahead of on by doing the internet version of it before yeah. before that was a thing. Mm-hmm. So, it shows. They're not very good. I think they were okay. They're okay at best. Yeah. But I mean... It goes to show that that, that was very much... It was it an wasn't... experiment, mm-hmm. nonetheless. Like, I don't know. Without the critic, I don't think we'd have Archer. Just very much self-aware about how silly industry is be it spy be it illegal espionage operations or film criticism but um but look Wes Anderson's giving you talk about being tied to the Marvel Universe Wes Anderson is always more reliable on giving Jeff Goldblum work than Disney Marvel is so far and if you discount the um, world according to Jeff Goldblum I'm just saying Jeff Goldblum's happy to be part of the machine I don't know the whole thing with world according to was that it started as a separate project for National Geographic before the Fox merger took place if you watch the show it's pretty clear that it was because I can't imagine an in-house Disney version of the show would have allowed it to play the way it does. In Disney just they probably want to tamp down on him making esoteric references to old movies such as in the Pools episode where he's wor- openly worrying when he goes into the isolation tank <laughs> oh no I'm going to I don't want to end up like I don't want to look end up like William Hurt in Altered States. Hi, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. There's there's a director I really need to follow up more. Alex Proxis. I mean, Dark City, The Crow. Um, yeah, I didn't really give anything after those. I don't know. That's a weird thing, and I think that kind of plays in again bringing back to. Um, Wes Anderson, like... Like, Wes Anderson's two animated features were done at Fox, and they are on Disney Plus now, and you don't see Disney Plus pushing those movies, even though they're excellent animated features. I don't really see Disney Plus pushing anything that isn't immediate or very recent. Well, no, they don't, and that's part of their problem. 
well, you think that this would be a great opportunity to push these movies because as excellent as they were, the fact that American animation audiences are so limit, limited in terms of what they see as acceptable or how they want such a film to, how they expect such a film to work, they weren't ready for what Anderson, Anderson's style. I, I know there's more than one critic out there that says maybe animation was the medium best suited to Anderson's talents. Well, that that's that weird weird state I was getting into. Like, you said Tim Burton, I said Coen Brothers, and um, honestly, I think Tim Burton should probably stick to animation. But he's all, I I, I would consider Tim Burton for the most part to be all style now. Um, while Anderson, at least again. You gotta get through his thick dialogue to really, um, to really be and absorb it all to really for that to really um, get through. Well, that's because Burton became a director for hire around the time of the Alice in Wonderland film he did for Disney. That's I, not the project of a filmmaker who goes into that. Well, with a, I would definitely say no. He was a real vision in mind. Well, I would it wasn't, say that go all the way back to Sleepy Hollow. I didn't really think that had the vision. It is true thought. that a few of his post-Mars Attacks films had already felt more like Planet of the Apes. Take, taking advantage of his style rather than him really doing anything with the material. Yeah. But I think that's the difference between Burton and Anderson now. He's not doing these projects because he really wants to do them. Anderson clearly does what he does because it's what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And he makes that work for him. I'm with somebody so referential, and I guess you could say the same thing with Edgar Wright. Like, you see, I think you basically sold me on, okay, so I gotta write a treatment. I gotta pick myself a comic book, a Marvel character, that, and sell that to Anderson. No, no, see, and then we're gonna make uh, we're gonna add sparkles to um, Submariner. Yeah, you'd like that, right? So I think we have something we can go and do something like. Um, but I I don't know. I mean, Edgar Wright obviously backed out of Ant Man because he just didn't have the time and patience for it. Um, and he's the ultimate comic book nerd. So. Hi, Dan. Preparation was good, you know. I think that's your specialty. Thank you. Because if I said that one, it would sound like bragging. Obviously, good quickness. Yeah, in and out pretty fast. Real fast. Including the coin collection and the earrings. You took the earrings, Dignan? I bought the earrings from my mother on her birthday. Maybe we should have robbed your house. You ever think of that? Three outstanding young men. Well, come on, baby, and rock with me tonight. Bob Mapplethorpe, potential getaway driver. Go. I really want to be a part of this team. And I'm the only one with a car. That's good. That's good. Because that hits me right here. I'm Anthony. You speak English? It's amazing how close you can get to a girl when you're not allowed to talk to her. And my name's Digden, man. You in the army, yes? No, no, I just had short hair. We are a team. 
opinion. I, I can't focus unless the gun is on the table. We just paid for it. Shut up, man. We don't settle our problems with drugs, man. We settle them with bare knuckles and cash All they ever wanted was to be wanted. What do you put that tape on your nose for? Exactly. Let's get lucky. Just do exactly as I say. Let's move. Come on. Get one of those bags. A bigger one, you idiot. What do you think? Don't call me an idiot, you punk. Can, do, you have a, do you have bigger bags for atlases or dictionaries? Uh, sir. I'll tell you something, kid. You've got the guts of a damn lion. That is Mr. Henry. Hey, Henry, how are you? He is a very talented thief. Hey! Just had a little diversion with our father figure talking about um, aging, honestly. Not to mention Rory's schedule, but I did need to know when uh, I'm supposed to expect stuff up me bum in the name of health. Ah. Literally, they know that me being such an open person, no fear. I just want to get this anticipation out of the way. I don't know. Maybe Brad Pitt sold me on colonics with the big short. So, okay. Well, so, I don't know. I guess it's kind of ironic that uh, Wes Anderson and Edgar Wright aren't franchise guys when they, you know, have a genuine love for this kind of thing. Right. Like, I want to sell my zombie wrestling Z movie, Main Event of the Dead. It is a comedy. Basically, so I can get myself into a position to start rewriting bad movies that, you know, may have just been flawed. Like, you know, Hudson Hawk. I think that's worth trying to repen. Just, just, just a sad thing. I don't think we. I think that was a good Sandra Bernhardt performance, and I just don't think we have any role place for her anymore. Right. Any actors like that come to your mind? Actors we don't have a place for anymore. Yeah. Offhand, I find it hard to think of any of them, but. Because. Well, I think part of it is that we're just not churning out the kinds of performers with potential that we used to. Mm-hmm. And if we do, they all end up at the franchise machine. 
I guess to a certain extent, I kind of wish for stuff like, hey, come on, Juliette Lewis, she's perfect for... She's got to be perfect for some character in Deadpool, I suppose. I mean, perhaps she should have been Angel instead of Gina Carano. I think that would be something we'd all appreciate. Um, she was in Deadpool. And then she became a... Uh, decided she wanted to enter to amuse the Republican value base. That got her canceled from Disney. Mm. And look, I thought she was great on The Mandalorian, but she was totally redubbed for the movie Haywire. Which again, Steven Soberg, that is definitely... How much work have you seen of his? Mm, not a lot. Yeah, I don't... Well, keep in mind, you could say, oh, I've seen this, this, and this, and this, and that's still only right. a fraction of... But he's great for 90 for chill, because for the most part, he keeps it pretty concise. Unless he's really working for the studio system. I mean, Traffic, Aaron Brockovich. But I know the line, he's a swift 90 minutes, approximately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but... I don't know. I it's it's tough when you're going on about um, how we just don't seem to appreciate the um, dare I say the glib style and you know me and like how you were saying that Anderson doesn't present characters you'd like to have a normal person would like to have a beer with. Dude, I I sit at a bar, people watching, and eventually just ending up bonding with the bartender because. Oh gosh, you gotta wait on that? Like, um, I don't know. It's like, I think we're at an issue, a point where it's not about the inclusivity, which I did bring up that I think a lot of it is that inclusivity, be it genuine or faked, is basically for people who can't actually go and just spoil themselves with a 65 inch television and uh, all the streaming services you could want um, but I don't know if it's just a fun little story and I don't know how you can say Wes Anderson or even Taika Waititi's stories aren't just little fun jots they're fairy tales you know and um Anderson's a little more willing to cut off the heels and toes of the Wicked Stepsisters. I'm not really sure what your point is. My point is that... Well, I guess saying that Wes Anderson's movies are fairy tales kind of makes sense because most of our fairy tales come from Europe and the Grimm Brothers and they're well, very I'm not white. objecting to that. Okay, what I'm saying, but what, what I meant was like Wes Anderson truly appreciates the um, fairy tales by killing Owen Wilson at the end of uh, Life Aquatic or um, right but how does that fit into your larger point about how the current well, situation okay, what, what is I'm saying, as bad as what it I, seems well I wasn't going on that, that portion I was just saying that what, the backlash Right. towards Anderson is kind of unjust. Like they're just well, no, fun I agree little, it was unjust. Fun, fun little stories. Yeah. Um as and the people the, I do think that's a fair comment. Okay. As for the um studio system not being as bad as you think, it's just more or less I'm of the opinion that it is going to fall out. That's what 
that's what Quentin Tarantino believes. Like, he says it's that a great time for film. But that mother lover wanted to do a Star Trek movie. And I know he's not a mother lover. <laughs> he made that abundantly clear. Got his mom out of some credit card trouble, and otherwise, nope, you said screenwriting wasn't going to work for me, so nobody's going to, I'm not going to make any money doing this. So, no house for you. Um, so, I think the bottom is going to drop out, and if you go, like, and spend your Saturdays, like I do, at some point, looking at what iTunes has to offer, um, I think you can get probably even wider selection on Amazon Prime. Yes, I know your Prime is hooked up to my account. If you ever want to get yourself Amazon Prime, um, the movie selection is excellent, I think. I mean, in terms of wanting to purchase stuff. I can't promise you that, and I can't really promise you that with iTunes and all that bollocks. So, I'm just saying that it's... um. There's a lot of good stuff out there, and then you can just totally avoid all of this. This is, again, why... I find myself ironic when it comes to the internet as my medium and I could care less about what film Twitter actually says if I can get a like or if I can get a little heart mark for posting a blog about a blog for future world right you know I think and again Ralph breaks the internet probably a two and a half two star movie at best but it did remind me, never read the comments section. <laughs> and if anything, I would suggest to you, start either doing black film Twitter and just fake it. Because <laughs> that's going to get good vibes, man. Or do, um, what did they call um, the news program on South Park? Um, the qu- quest for ratings? Yeah, that I episode. can't remember oh. what they called it. Just make it a longer hashtag. Super cool film Twitter, <laughs> and see who follows you. So, okay, but um, no. Otherwise, um, just just for kicks to close this on out uh, with uh, James Gunn being the next episode, one way or the other, whoever gets the guest spot not going to be recorded till next Tuesday at the earliest or this Tuesday at the earliest I should say um hmm uh, what what's your real thoughts on James Gunn cause he definitely had his weird stuff before he I mean it's almost ironic that he's a superhero movie director when super is definitely the anti-superhero movie the only film of his i've seen is the suicide squad i can't say i have a full opinion on the guy oh well you gotta give guardians kind of there you gotta give guardians of galaxy a chance again we're talking great record needle drop soundtracks um you're missing out on so much michael rooker Do you even attend his panels at, at, at Wizard World? Yes, I do. Okay, all right. All is forgiven <laughs> with that statement. But you've been faking it with the Mary Poppins, y'all? No. Uh, I've been 
never got into that kind of thing in the first place. I was just and... joking around with you. Okay, all right. Well, that's part of the content paste problem. Oh. You get subjected to all these memes in advance. Would I have seen, like, Guardians of the Galaxy... Okay, for... all right. Actually, the first experience I've had with... Obviously, I saw Dawn of the Dead 2004. I wasn't overly impressed. I don't like running zombies, and Zack Snyder's style was definitely far from uh, being perfected that time. And I think with Suicide Squad, he was trying to, he was appealing to the audience who did not like Dawn of the Dead by immediately using the Jim Carroll band's People Who Died song, which he uses in the credits of Dawn of the Dead, and opening with Johnny Cash, which Dawn of the Dead did. Um, but, so the first thing I'm familiar with what, from him otherwise was Tromeo and Juliet, that which he wrote on. And then I would say, if it wasn't for the Marvel Universe, I would not have gone back and watched Slither. And um, as I say, Super, Super, the only reason I didn't immediately jump towards Super was just because I thought Matthew Vaughn did the anti-superhero movie so great with Kick-Ass. And I can't get enough Matthew Vaughn. Stardust. I mean, so there we go. I'm saying, see... The Marvel Universe helped me. I'm, I'm being trying to be as pitiful as the character of um, I can't remember her name, uh, from Saw. With the how Jigsaw helped her after getting out of the bear trap, reverse bear trap. <laughs> the Marvel Universe helped me. I'm a better moviegoer because of the Marvel Universe. So, I'm just joking around with that, though. So, um, so about how many movies do you put up? About a week, I'd say, on letterbox.com slash the poetic critic. Maybe two or three at this point. Okay. It's trickled down of late. Well, that's no problem with that. And, um, you're still being, obviously you have a Twitter account if you're following film Twitter. And, um, I mean, if you don't want to give that out, I'm totally cool with that. Um, so, hashtag film Twitter if you want to try finding the poetic critic there. Uh, let me run I some... Don't use the hashtag film Twitter. Oh. I don't know where you come from on this. What do you... How do you find film Twitter, then? I hang out... I keep in touch with friend, friends who post about film. Yeah, but that's how you're supposed to find everything, right? Just putting the film, like, film Twitter in the search bar. And you can do it that way. See, I don't have, I don't have a lot of friends. Thank you, Rory. I mean, I don't have people as cool as let me get this down right. Bill Smiley, uh, Jessica Ritchie, mm-hmm. Lindsay Ellis. I'm not really, I'm not really into Lindsay Ellis that much. Okay, well, I've kind of broken away from the video. I'm not really big on video essay, folks. Oh, no, no, no. Kind of fallen out of interest in most of them. Oh, no, no. I'm totally... I don't, like... Okay, maybe my co-worker sitting next to me watching video essays on how you're not... I'm not a racist. (laughs) While being homophobic and uh, racist um, has really soured me on those videos. Like, I'll watch... I can go on a binge on what culture about anything more than them video games wrestling star wars but 
you know, they're list videos for the most part. Um, but I love podcasts because I listen to them in the car primarily. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, you don't want me reading and driving, in other words. So I'm a big fan of the written word more than anything. So you can find all of my written word at maineventofthedead.com. That's M A I N E V E N T O F D E A D.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at CatBusRuss. That's at C-A-T-B-U-S-R-U-S-S. And if you'd like to be a guest on 94 Chill, the podcast, or perhaps want a treatment of my screenplay, Man of the De- Ven of the Dead, you can contact me via email at uh, rustthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. Or send me a direct message again. The Twitter handle is at CatBusRuss. Well, thank you very much. Um... We will we will kill the mouse someday, Rory. As she was showing me duck videos. She's a double agent. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with something really illiterate, like Disney double duck agent. I don't know. But uh, thanks again, though, for coming through for me again. Do me a solid. No problem. All right. And uh, as I say, next week will be James Gunn one way or the other. Uh, Thanks again for returning to this. And have yourselves a good night. Am I hitting the applause button? Only you will know. I didn't hit it long enough. Can I hear a wahoo?